Vancouver. Press the right button. <laughs> That's just been good. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. It's Andrew Davis calling from Gateshead in Tiny Weir. I hope everybody's well. Well, it's been an interesting weekend. Remember, if you want to listen to the show, it's www.toontalk.co.uk or you can call the show at 0191 538 9781. And you can also head to Nova Radio at www.novaradio.co.uk to listen in to us there from all your handheld devices. Well, it's been a very, very up and down weekend for most teams in the in the leagues that we have. But actually, would you believe it? Uh, Newcastle won, Sunderland won, and Millsborough got a result of the week. I actually think by drawing one one against Man City. Well, later on in this evening, we've got Scott Wilson from the Echo who will be on the phone uh, talking to us about how Newcastle have changed in the last year with Rafa Benitez. But one of my uh, co-hosts this evening, who's on the show every week with me, is Neil Mitchell, calling from Dubai. Good evening, how are you? Good evening, Andrew. I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Well, I think uh, before we bring in um, Keith, the Sunderland fan, I think that, to me, was a strange... Obviously, it's a Newcastle show, but that, to me, that result for Sunderland was a shocker. What was your thoughts about it? To be honest, I wasn't paying that much attention to it. Because <laughs> obviously I was concentrating on it. You, you kind of... We find ways to keep in touch with our match every way which way we can. So I had uh, one of the score apps updating, which updated quite quickly. And then I had Twitter feeding in. I had uh, Steve and my dad sending us text messages and God knows what else. Which, um, when Steve's on later, I must... must uh, Pull him up. He, he sent us a load of text messages that must have got snarled up in traffic in the, in the you know what the signals like in the ground. So around about um, midnight our time, I got a message from him saying we were two one up, and I thought bloody hell about time. But never mind. Um, no, look, it, it, a shocker. I don't know. Um, I did watch it myself. Well. Actually, I was watching they it. Were, they, were, they were never going to go all season without the win. Something had to come from somewhere. I gather from um, gather from what uh, uh, what's come out subsequently. They had an absolute rollicking off noise the week before and it seems to have done done the trick. Um, I also have to say kudos to whoever's running that Twitter account for the for the tweet about can we tweet something like Victor Anachib has just scored. Um, I think that's that's real proper tongue in cheek and taking Nick out of themselves after Anachibi's little Twitter yeah. Error a couple of weeks ago, and I thought that was quite good. Just seeing that somebody somewhere in the, that club still got a sense of humour, at least. 
Um, <laughs> it's not just Keith who comes on here every week and gets berated. Um, you know, but it. it I guess if 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 they're gonna be if they're gonna save themselves, it's results like that they need. They need to be beating teams like Bournemouth, who should be in that bottom half of the table, come the shake up at the end of the season. Um, but what, I'm sure Keith's going to come on here and tell me that one swallow doesn't make a summer. <laughs> yeah, he's actually he's queued in now, so I'll be bringing him in a second. But I, must, I did watch the game and they were absolutely buried. Like I've seen, uh, I, I, I saw the game up with of, with listening with Newcastle as well, but they were absolutely well. How they how they won that game? I just it, it was simply incredible what what I saw of it. But we'll we'll bring in. Uh, Bring in Keith now, uh, the Sunderland fan. Well, as um, Neil just quite kindly said, one swallow doesn't make a summer. But what a win that was, Keith. Well, funny enough, that saying has been used quite a bit. But realistically, it makes a start of a season for us. That's what it definitely does do. It was that hoodoo of getting your first win and when was it going to come. So there's every chance now. Let's face it, you know, we're not going to rock and roll the next 10 games in a row as much as I'd love it. But hey, we've got to win. That was all important because one more week, one more awful stat, one mm. more dreadful record broken that nobody wants. So that's come to an end. Underline, move on. Regarding swallows and summers, you're dead right regarding my views on Moyes. You know, he's not my cup of tea, but he's got to win on his belt. Perfectly uh, orchestrated from the stands. Let's keep them there and let's see if we can get a couple of more wins. But realistically, hey, it's a win and we would have took it any fashion. But Andrew, if you're talking about what you've seen on Match of the Day. No, I saw it uh, live. All right, well, to be honest, you know, Match of the Day, there's quite a bit more. Mm. We, we had our chances. I mean, goodness me, it wasn't going to be the prettiest of games. But I, I don't think we're dead and very under the cosh for some of the time. But we gave as good as we got towards the end of the first half as well. You've got to remember, what well, win was achieved with 10 men as well. Mm, so um, it, it, it's that spirit that I've said Sunderland lack in world-class signings. We, we might never get them in the North East, both of us included. Um, but you, you've got to look for team spirit out of our team. And to come back and win a match with 10 men, whether the penalty is a penalty or not, and you, I, I believe it was. The ref to say it was, so it definitely was. That stands... But the fact is, he had to be in that penalty area and present. So we were advanced in the field to get that penalty late on the game. And we did hold on as well, which takes some doing. So look, at it, if it's a, a glimpse of what's to come, you know, great. It's nice to see it. I'll ease off Moisey for a week or two now. If he can build on that up, you've got uh, the uh, international break. So chance to maybe get another trip to Nissan or something and see how that goes for the following game against Hull. Yeah, the, the, the one thing I liked uh, when he was in the stands, um, he was given instructions and um, I think it was just after um, PNR had been sent off, quite rightly with that tackle, but um, it, you know, but in the speed of football these days you c- I can understand how he, how he made the tackle, if that makes sense, but um, when I it was interesting that you could. Moyes was talking to the technical person who was talking to the guy downstairs, and the guy downstairs just got so fed up. He trying to give instructions to the guy who's coming on. Um, but I must admit, if it if he has to stay in the stands, and obviously he won't. But um, I I thought to me that was a typical Everton win. Uh, 
had the one over there. It, it, it was a, a scruffy win, but mm. not a tackle. Again, I, I feel it was slightly harsh to say it was a dreadful tackle. He got, he did make contact with the ball first. The fact that his foot stayed in and it looked awkward when it went the front of the guy's socks were down the shin in the in turn of his ankle. But look, at, in fairness, he got two yellows. He was off. It didn't affect the, the result. I live with that. Uh, if you watch your man, Alan was on on um, mm-hmm. match of year two last night, and they were both on about like you know a lacklustre performance where you don't get yellow cards and they would have been mm. making that themselves known and that was on the match you pundit me on last night. You know, at least Pino was getting a foot in all right. It wasn't the most malicious of tackles, but it proved he was actually there and, and fighting and prepared to take a yellow for the team. Sadly he took two. But even that in itself was a measure of like the the, the lads were for it. And it should be goodness me, I was never a fan. He was plucked mm-hmm. out from the wilderness, effectively. But yeah. apparently, from from the lads who were there and stuff, you don't always see off the ball. He was moving, mm-hmm. he, he was making a nuisance of himself. And if, if that's all he can offer, but it, it results in a win, hey, get in. I'll take that as well. You know, uh, we weren't flying, we're down the doldrums. So it's a win now. It changes the whole atmosphere. Fans. It gives Moyes a lift, so he might be slightly more positive. And the players certainly, you know, ten-man win. It's got to like be choked down as like a, a big result for us. Even though, like Neil was saying, it is only Bournemouth. You'd expect to beat them. We've been two 0 up at home, got beat three two. There's other games we would expect that we've won both home and away, and we haven't, haven't been able to cling on to, to a victory, and we've ended up walking away with a, a draw as well. So, look at. Any any game for us, any win we would have took it and we got it on Saturday, so it was lovely to see. Um, the, the, the good thing that Neil said, he, he obviously heard through his sources that Moyes had given the players a real a talking to because it was interesting after the game when I, you know, you listen to Inichibi talk about David Moyes in such glowing terms, saying that that was for him. Um, Something to me have always needed that big player up front, a muscular player, that, you know, to go along in several at several times. I think um, in January, um, if Moyes is still there, which I can actually see him staying there. I, I, you know, the, he's got the international break coming up. It should help. It should help the team because obviously you haven't got many players in that team who are internationals. Well, the ones who have got injured like Lawson, so you'd mm. be hoping for a couple of returns to where uh, the. the the first team, you'd be hoping that Lawson might be knocking on the door, getting back in. You'd be hoping Kirchhoff would be coming back. You'd be hoping Barini would be coming back. Minoni, you'd be hoping he'd be coming back as as backup to uh, excellent performance on Saturday. From uh, going on with Catamol because Catamol seems to be the no, the one player that um, Nick. Like to see him back, yeah. so What's going on with him? Is well, is he injured or? Injured, yeah, injured, and that's basically he's out of the team injury. So I'd like to see him him back as well. You've got four key players, and then the, the goalkeeper who was one number one choice. Mm-hmm. You might struggle to get back in after Pickford's recent performance, but poor Pickford hasn't kept a clean sheet. Possibly mm-hmm. no fault of his own because he's had a shambles of a defence in front of him. But you know he could take a knock as well. So it'd be nice that while injured keeper would be on standby, and four key. Outfield players, like I say, up front, Barini offers something a bit extra. Uh, and I don't know if you did notice, but a few of the fans were complaining initially that Anichibi, who's a 
centre forward, right through the middle mm. centre forward, was hanging out on the wings. Uh, but mm. Pickford's got quite a good kick on him. He's like a little extra set that we hit them balls out. So it, he actually was quite a handful on the wing and coming inside. So look, at, we've got positive things from it. I'm not expecting it to, to, to change the, the league. We're not going to be challenging Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal anytime soon. But look, at we could be scrambling when we're out that bottom three, which is what's important to us. And it's the first step at three points. Bang on, let's get going. Yeah, what, what's what's been your take, Neil, on the, the fact that you know you, you heard rumours that there been has been um, he's been hammering the players because of what's been what's been happening. Um, what's what's your thoughts on some? Because you know that oh. you would, I think under Sam they'd probably go on a run, wouldn't they? But obviously it's David, well, David Moyes' different and things. They, and they, therefore, perhaps the international break doesn't come at a good time. Yeah. Now they've got a head of steam up. They'd probably actually like the next game to be Tuesday or Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, I think right. from, from, from a from a momentum point of view, it's, it's probably quite frustrating for Moyes now because he's thinking, right, I've got my first one in the belt. Oh, two weeks off, bugger, you know. And 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 he's got uh, he'll have it. Hopefully, you know, from a Sunderland point of view, you've got players coming back from injury. That squad's going to look a little better closer to the, after that international break. But in terms of momentum, it does dampen it a bit. Um, and, and and what Keith says is also right about. It doesn't matter where the three points come from. Look, Preston North End bleated the other weekend mm. how they'd mattered with for 90 minutes but lost 2-1. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, the only thing that goes down in the annals of history is the result. And it really doesn't matter how it comes. Be that whether you're at the top of the table looking to put a buffer between the chase and pack or at the bottom of the table scrambling to hang on to your league, league uh, future with your legs and yeah. clinging on. It really doesn't matter how the wins come. All that goes down in the annals of history is win three points Sunderland and Newcastle. That's all, all that really, really matters, Andrew. And, and I don't think the players care and I don't think the managers care um, and neither as fans sometimes should we. I think we care too much about wanting to win in a certain way. And you're like, Do you know what? Just win. Just get it done. Oh. Get the three points in the bag. Then we'll worry about whether we're going to look nice after afterwards, and I, and I think it probably doesn't matter. But I, I would be, if it was me in the Sunday dressing room looking at what we could do next, I'd be bloody frustrated that we would get it just as we're going to an international break. I think that, that you know would would frustrate me if I was in charge. That's for sure. Well, two things on that though. Hull uh, another caution. Their managers mm-hmm. another caution. Yeah, the cracking leg. They dug out the result of the weekend, so mm-hmm. they would have been on an equal high. So I think that's mm-hmm. counted itself out. The plus point for us is, yeah, that we've got that win and they can reflect on it and the injuries will come back. So, to be honest, I, I, normally I would say, yeah, you're dead right, let, let's mem- keep momentum going. But it, it actually, it'll, it'll have the same effect to hold because they had a, a precious result of the weekend and they would have been carrying the same forward to the next game. They have to wait for it. So, we'll be on level level terms in that respect, but it's the injuries for us. We, we need these players back. Centre, the defence, to be honest, is all over the shop. It has been. We're letting a very easy goal to start the match on Saturday. It's tough, like a Catamore or a Kirchhoff mm-hmm. might well have not even uh, allowed the ball to get that far advanced. You, a little bit of quality through that, the back four, and that's what's missing. A little bit of steel that obviously you all know what Catamore can be mm-hmm. like. But he, he, is, he is effective in doing what he does. So uh, he would have eliminated... A, a progressing attack from uh, Bournemouth 
So we can get them back, and Barini offers a lot more up front, so I'd like to see him back and fit and well. So, look, for us, I'll live with the, um, the international weekend. No problem at all with that. Just crack on. I'm a bit happier. I think uh, Moyes as well, the next game, if it came and somebody burst his bubble, bubble sorry, mm. uh, so soon, I thought, because, you know, it is that the same one swallow doesn't make a summer. That one game, if he was on it, a real buoyant high and it was deflated soon afterwards at least he can carry that and keep it feeling good for a lot longer whilst these lads are coming back in boost morale in the dressing room and let's try and get that next win couple of weeks time fantastic and uh, many more to come I hope and couldn't have come at a better time there's going to be a run of matches with a fit, fit load of lads rather than the Christmas time struggling thread bay what players will be back and will start maybe hopefully putting a few three-pointers on week in, week out. Do you think they would have sacked him, Neil, if he had lost it? Do, you, do I think? Oh, yeah, no, Neil, yeah. Do you think they would have sacked him if he had... Uh, you can you can get in as well, Keith, but... Well, the, 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 certainly that was the... The suggestion was that that was coming to a head and that mm. short was getting impatient. Um, I don't know if you can call it knee-jerk, though, given how regularly that seems to happen down the road. But, well, um, I, I would have thought he would have been on the, certainly on borrowed time uh, if he'd lost at the weekend, if we'd lost, which we didn't, by the way, we won. But if we'd lost, uh, the international break might have saved them and spared them another week. But I think the whole game would have been the one that would have been crucial. A team down in the same position battling for survival. That, that would have been a six-pointer in November, early days for a six-pointer. That could have been yeah. the one that's seen him away. I don't think Saturday would have. I think Short would have been loyal, but I think in this two weeks, he would have been lining up his ducks, ready for the whole result, whichever way that would have went, you know. That's I think it's six but points. The thing is that even with the win, they're six points behind. And, and that that's the thing, isn't it, with Sun? It's like, I suppose you could say it with Newcastle before we got Rafa in, but um, everything's knee-jerk, isn't it? There's no... There's not a lot of planning. The only reason Newcastle are doing so well is because you, you know, you've got a you've got a manager in, and you would think that Rafa, I wouldn't say Moyes is similar to to Rafa, but at least the planning process would probably be this the same. Um, the, the one thing that surprised me, Keith uh, and Neil, is that with a lot of free agents out there, I'll, I'll name one in particular, Justin Hoyt um, is a free agent. I am surprised, apart from bringing in Ichibi. He hasn't looked to to possibly bring. You know, obviously he's brought in Pinar as well, but um, I am surprised that he hasn't gone to bring in more bodies because I think Sunderland um, uh, didn't take up their full allocation of players. You know, with with the fact that they've had so many injuries, are you surprised they haven't gone to try and get more players, especially with a disappointing window, um, with not bringing in players, especially strikers, with knowing that that player's injured. Right, well, here we go. That that will just disappoint us. We'll just talk about the win again. No, the, the, the signings. I wasn't impressed with with uh, Moyes' signings. I've got to be honest. You know, eight eight and a half million for Jilabodji. So the fact he didn't bring anybody, in, that's actually limited with damage and expenditure. Because mm-hmm. if the ones he did manage to get across the line and go by, they haven't been brilliant. So look, I'm not worried about who we didn't get. What I'd like to see is. It'll feel like new signings when we're injuries come back. Let's see how Moyes works with them. Let's see how he reacts and the players to a win. And in fairness, you've got to have a look, right? I know what we each argue, or your ground's bigger than mine, my mm-hmm. dad's bigger than yours. 
but yeah. Sunderland fans haven't really been on Moyes' back and all the players, they're way of support. Lads who went down to Southampton, sadly I'm not a traveller anymore, I wish there was, but the lads went down to Southampton for a midweek game just a week earlier. They went down to Bournemouth on Saturday and you, you can just watch your opposition sides. You just get yourselves, Newcastle mm-hmm. fans are well respected for their support. They've been getting support, their friends and so I'll exclude the fans from this. They haven't been on Moises' back. They haven't been on players' back. Odd individuals, yes, you know, they've had a little bit of stick on Twitter and other social medias, but it's been like on that, you know, you just as a professional player, you should be able to brush that off. But when it's come to the 90 minutes of the match, mm. all they've had is a little bit of dissent when the final whistle's gone, if there's been a shocking result. But during the match, they've been supported. Who run away are fantastic. So the fans don't have to lift themselves, but the players need to, to react. They've got a one win. Uh, the, the manager's got his win. So new signings, I, I can't even think about it. I wouldn't even consider who mm. would be coming in January. If we've got three, four wins in our belt, and it's positive, and we're looking like we're not going to be battling right to the wire, you might get a better name across the line. If we're totally in the smelly stuff, you know, mm. nobody would want to touch us. So you'd be making do what we've got. Andrew, at this stage, one win's not going to mm. attract Messi in the January mm. window, is it? So I'll worry about who's out there, free or not free, even if they're fortunes. We just need to stick with what we've got, keep on winning and build on that. Worry mid-December what position who can come in, if anybody. Yeah, that's the one thing I think Newcastle have shown uh, teams that are you know, deep in the mire, wait 10 games, wait 15 games, as as me, myself and Neil only know too well when McLaren was there, oh, that that was you can't game. leave it. You can't leave it. It's a long way to go, let's be honest. So, But uh, you can't leave it like we did, even with even when you bring in somebody of the calibre of uh, Benitez. But the, the thing about Son, the, the only reason I didn't think there was there was any issue with Moyes, even though results dictate that, was the fact that you know you normally hear rumblings of of a of a manager, and I, I think if I remember before they even brought in Moyes, um, the one the one manager um, you would think they would want, obviously up young up and coming would have been Sean Dice. I, I, like he just seems to tick all the boxes. He knows what his team can and cannot do. Gets plays them accordingly. But he is very much Moyes like. What do you what do you think, Neil? Dice, uh, well Dice keeps being bandied around mm. um I think certainly he seems to get more it makes his teams punch above their weight. I think that that's that's very clear from his record. Um how good a fit he would be thrust into that situation. I don't know. I, I, I think it is something you. I can see why they've gone with somebody with a more experience, because that preseason was trashed with Allardyce going to England. Mm. Um, the squad certainly seems like it's been a little all over the place. Um, signings are not, and free signings are not. He's had to make decisions very, very quickly on what he's got. And who's out there that's free or cheap, mm. and who are they better than what I have, or am I going to mm. stick with what I have and try and chuck some kids into the mix um, and, and see what floats it? And I think that's why they're going to go in that situation. I would imagine always with somebody with a bit more experience, perhaps um, longer term. Daish is the kind of manager that could fit very well. I think. I think he's you know young, English, hungry. As I say, he seems to get his teams punching above their weight. 
Um, a lot of people in football speak very highly of him and mm. speak very highly of how he's gone on. Um, if you look at what's happened, say, for example, with Joey Barton going up mm. the Rangers and wreaking havoc, um, there was never a rumble from him at Burnley. Mm. And that's all about the man management. That's all about the man management. And if he's got the ability to handle a character like Barton, mm. and I don't think there's many managers do, um, that's that's speaks volumes for the man as well. It was actually interesting. Well, yeah. I, I thought, Keith, it was interesting that before Moyes came in, um, Dice was being linked. But the problem is with Dice, he would never leave Burnley um, mid-season. If he was going to leave, he would leave. He would want a, a proper pre-season ahead of him so he can get bedding the players, bringing the players that he would want. Um, plus, I, you know, with Sunderland being surrounded by takeover talk, takeover talk, which is actually, it's simmered a bit, hasn't it now? It, it, there was news came in, wasn't it, Keith? And then it's what, kind of gone a, on the back burner. Was that a there, was it? Was that a <laughs> the Chinese firm takeover bit? <laughs> well, was, it wasn't a pun, actually, but I, I'll take it. Uh, the takeaway <laughs> bit. Anyway, because that's always, look, at it's been there and it's gone away. Look, at and mm. Sean Dyche, you know, again, you'll only, you've only read this stuff unless you've had a pint with him at the weekend, Andrew. If Man United, <laughs> Arsenal, Man City mm. come knocking on his door mid-season, he'd be saying, sorry, Burnley, that's me away, fellas. Thanks for the experience. Yeah. The other thing with him as well, he is great crack. He seems great crack. You watch him yeah. on, like, the, the off-the-cuff stuff, like soccer ends when he's on. He's a mm. proper lad's lad. He's proper, mm. like, the, the Allardyce in the in the dressing room type of manager as well, good patter. But, you know, he's had one relegation battle and lost, but he did get them back up as well. He stayed loyal. So, yeah, he's a sort of a fella that would actually do us at our position unless we start bobbing up and getting above halfway and attracting something different. He would be. But look, as much as it pains us, I've wanted rid of Moyes, and I still don't think he's the right fit for us, but he's got to win. So I'm not going to start slating them continuous and they will go well win. Let's see where he goes from there. I'll, I'll watch Moises' progress and, and what ability he's got. And I'll not worry about the Sean Dage, Pep Guardiola, whoever mm. else might become available. If Moises is doing it for us, Moises is the man whose name I'll be shouting on a sad afternoon if he's getting win week in, week out. If he's winning, that's who I'll be chanting for. And like uh, Niels just said, the style of football, yes, we're all like mm. fantasy football and the man you had on last week, Venison, who was great crack, by yeah, the way. Great, he, was yeah. first. Um, he was on about how Keegan, you mentioned many managers, but Keegan, his was motivational, that got you going. But he had, like, obviously, mega lows. Each manager manages different, but seriously, if it's, if it's not that attractive football, but mm. you're getting wins, I'd be happy with for a season or two. If we're getting up there and we'll get bigger footballers in and a bigger manager's attracted to it, yes, there might be a thing, but at the moment, I'm happy to win with Moyes. I'm happy to win with anybody, pretty much, you know. Mm. A manager that's winning is the manager I want to support. That's who I'm after. Have you been, surp- been surprised? Yeah, have you been surprised um, that obviously I think Big Sam was being linked with Wolves and that one quickly went away. Are you surprised he hasn't come back in? Um, a team hasn't approached him because it's it's funny, isn't it? You got West Ham who've got trouble, who've got a big massive stadium. They can't control the fans. Have you noticed that? And, um, you know, he's being linked with a few different clubs, but normally with Big Sam, it's, it's, a, it's a, cres- a crescendo. But maybe the, the problem with the, the FA, they, they may have had a word, said, listen, you, you, 
you you can't you can't play. But are you been surprised he hasn't been um, sounded out for bigger bigger jobs? Who Sam? Yeah. Well, not at the moment. I mean, he's still somewhat damaged goods, isn't he? Mm. Uh, he? He'll go to a club who's probably needing him to guarantee them safety or promotion. Uh, is what is what obviously the the clubs are fishing from at the moment. He was never actually sounded out by big clubs at any stage of his career, no. except for ourselves, who are massive, you know, all on that. It was only small clubs he dealt with. Um, but no, no, it doesn't surprise at all. I think it'll be a while before he resurfaces anywhere near decent. Um, but we'll see. I actually think, I think he, I, I don't know what Neil thinks, but there's so much money in China. I wouldn't be surprised you've got Manuel Pellegrini's over there, I think, in China, isn't he? So I wouldn't be surprised if... Um, Something comes comes up that he he would fancy somewhere abroad. I, I wouldn't think it'd be Spain, but um, I, I'd be surprised he comes straight back to England after after what happens. I think I think he wants to be able to crack another continent. I, I can't. I just he doesn't come across the type of person that wants to uh, retire anyway. Here's with him. Well, he was nearly retired before he came to us. But you mentioned in China. Mm. Most people only go to China for the money, and Sam's yeah. more about the the winning and the camaraderie. He's not in for mm. the money. You must know that by now. Well, you wouldn't. You would, you would think that, wouldn't you? But then you see. That. <laughs> no, that, that was a joke. I know. He's I was wondering. He's only after the Wonga. Sam Allardyce is history to us. You know, if if something murky happened in where where survival and Moyes didn't capitalise on that win. You know, his name will resurface again with us. But for now, we look at it's a weekend, it's a win. It, I think you lads won as well at the weekend, is that right? Yes, right. we did, but that's just that, that's happened every week, so we're okay, uh, you know. Obviously, I'm the voice <laughs> of the Premiership, though. Are you okay? Very good, very good. So tell me, are you looking forward to the Scotland-England game? That's a big one, isn't it? Well, I, I am. Obviously, England through and through for me. Uh, Look to see, we'll just do them as we normally do. <laughs> I'm delighted on a, on a side issue uh, about the poppies and defying mm. fever. The ju- joke of an outfit that they are. I think mm. fair play to the lads. Get your poppy on. It's not political. Play the game. Have it in good spirit. I hope the people on the terraces behave. It has been known to get out of hand from time to time, but mm. I just think, come on, England, another victory for us. Uh, I've had my moments of like being really passionate for him and then disappointment knocks it mm, out here. Too bit, much of it, yeah. It's a, it's a derby game, isn't it, effectively? Mm. And if you kind of get up for your derby game, you know, it is the, we're next door near us. seen it in, in Premier League and you've seen it like, you know, international. It's nice to have that fixture on the cards. Mm. So, yes, I've got a plenty of Scotsman in my phone who will uh, text us if the result doesn't go my way. So, yes, I'll be rooting for England. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, I think it'd be a great. I think, it'd, I think it should be a great game. Well, I've got uh, Steve Hasty uh, from Newcastle United Fans Forum um, calling the show. Uh, are you happy for Sunderland that they won on on Saturday? That uh, Keith's happier. It's like Alan Partridge, isn't it? I'm a bomber, you know. That's good luck. Well done. Huh? Can he? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. No, I mean, they put a decent performance in, didn't they? You know, they got the result that they desperately needed. I think from the fans' point of view, they're probably sitting back thinking it was never ever going to happen. Mm. Bournemouth have been playing some really decent football lately. Um, but, hey, no, they're, they're stuck at it. They, they, you know, they got the run of the green, I think, uh, in a lot of respects. They didn't have that many clear-cut chances. And Ichibi, who I think a lot of Sunderland fans have probably been looking at, thinking, 
what? <laughs> Who? Mm. Uh, you know, because mm. he's done nothing for years and he's not that, but he, he, put, a, he put a shift in. Um, Defoe, as, as always, put the penalty away mm. um, and walked away. I think they came back with three points, the three points that they probably never expected. Um, and it might be just something that just kickstarts them. Um, who knows? They desperately needed it, though, didn't they? No problem, no doubt about that. Yeah, I think... Well, um, th- yeah. go, go ahead, well, Keith. I was just saying, we, we did need it, and, and joking aside, I know you say you're indifferent about it, and, and say, I say I'm indifferent if you win, but I really do think the two teams should be up in the Premier League, so I'd like to survive and be waiting for you to join me next year, so that the, the derbies are resumed, because just being on about the, the, the old rivalry with Scotland, I want exactly the same, you know, North East derbies should be on the fixture list, so we've got to like work on our stuff and stay up there, You've got to do your stuff week in, week out to catch up and get back up there. And then when the derbies and rivalry resumes, then you will be looking up for Sunderland fixtures with a bit more interest. But <laughs> realistically, you know, we're, we're ticking by with one win and just surviving. The Colts are still there. That's all that I've proved on Saturday. Let's hope for more. But Andrew, I'm going to leave you with the mags now and uh, wish you all the best, mate. I'll speak to you next week, eh? All right, mate. Take care. Cheers. Right, cheers. Nice to have you on, Everybody Keith. Thanks, cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks, lovely. I think it's... Straight after the results, I don't know what you, Neil and uh, Steve, think, but I must be... When I, saw the, when I actually saw the game, um, I must admit, I was just happy for Keith. <laughs> yeah. not, not because of watching um, Sunderland itself, but the fact that they did play okay. Um, they weren't too bad and they had a few chances, like he said, but... Um, you know, but you know, I, I just can't see a David Moyes team being relegated, um, even with the problems they're having. What do you think, uh, Steve? Uh, oh, they can be relegated. There's no doubt about that. This is a David Moyes team with a with a David Moyes who's been given absolutely nothing mm-hmm. other than a cack hand from the start of the season. I think you ask any Sunderland fan, and they'll point the point the finger firmly at uh, at the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at that uh, little financial thing that was on the. Uh, dotted around on the internet um, about how much money he's put in, how much money he's, he's, he's written off. I think he's written off £100 million. But mm-hmm. the problem is that Sunderland are turning over somewhere in the region of £20 million a season. That's money coming from the commercial aspects of the club. Um, they're turning over £60-odd million pound in uh, TV revenue, um, which they got last season. And they kind of sustain it. Um, the, the business model is a failed business model that they have. Um, and they haven't got the financial people in place that can actually spin it round for them, uh, generate them income, generate them funds, um, and the, 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 model's, the model's knackered. Um, mm. What they're going to need is they're going to need a rebuild from top to bottom. Um, they're probably looking to find someone who can come in, but he's, he's drifting into the Ramdi Lerner uh, yeah. problem area, you know, that yeah. they've seen which ends up where... He hangs on and hangs on, spends nothing, eventually they go down. Uh, and then, again, as happened at Villa, they, they get bought out in the close season. Um, but no money seems to have come their way, although they, they finally managed to get a, a manager in Steve Bruce, ironically, who uh, yeah. seems to have been pulling them around a little bit. Um, and, and sort of cheered up the fans to a certain extent at Villa. But you know, I think that's what's going to happen at Sunderland. To be perfectly honest, I think it's going to need it's going to need a, 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 the, the owner uh, because of the, of the way things have gone uh, to, to move on from the club to sell the club. Um, but I think it's dark days for Sunderland. To be perfectly honest, 
Newcastle's a different kettle of fish. Mm, uh, you know, we've flags. got a big, got a bigger crowd. Mm. Um, we've got bigger sun, bigger pulling power, and I, and I don't mean this sort of in a derisory way of the Sunderland lad who's just been on, but a much bigger pulling power when it comes to TV. Mm. Um, everything about Newcastle is now geared up. They've, they've got their act together. There's everything's rosy in the garden in terms of what's happening off the field. Um, the way that the the, uh, the, the the finances are in place, the, the tra- we bought players and sold players that we've had, we've been able to make money on. You look at the Sunderland model; they bought players for a ridiculous amount of money that nobody's heard of, that they've then carted off and given away for free. You know, right. I mean, well, we, the, the, we made yeah, we made fifty-five million pound mm-hmm. on two players that cost us less than twenty. You know. Um, Sunderland have got rid of players that have cost them eight, nine, ten. I think it was said last week that Sunderland they got rid of a centre half mm-hmm. for three and a half million quid and bought a total nobody for eight and a half million quid. You know, and you know, the, the, I think they paid I think they paid an awful lot more than three and a half million pound for the player that they got rid of for three and a half. They don't mm-hmm. sell players on for profit; they sell players on for a loss. They give players away. The, 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 they had a, had a bloke called Jack Rini who was absolutely outstanding uh, footballer. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, they got rid of him for two and a half million quid, and he went to, went Italy. He, he was outstanding in the World Cup. He was one of the Italian's best performance, um, and yet they got rid of him uh, for a pittance. I could understand them getting rid of him, but. Why didn't they make money on him? Why, why did he go? Who at the club? Who would, and this is, I think this is probably what sticks in Sunderland fans' throats. Who at the club runs the business side of the club mm-hmm. and is generating well, the income, whether it's from transfers or whether it's from... It was Margaret Brain, wasn't it? Neil. She was the chief executive, but I mean, mm. you know, yeah. is, is that her role? I don't know. But as it happened, <laughs> she's gone anyway, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. give you another one. I'll give you another one there, Steve. The Ricky Alvarez, which I gather they still could end up paying something like ten million euros for, because um, they triggered his obligation to buy clothes. Yet they sent him back to the club saying, "Well, we don't want him." And uh, I think that's still bouncing around the court of arbitration for sport. Um, you know, two years on, it's ridiculous. It, 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 you're right about failed business models. I know. Um, I, I gather in in, in not not too private but not too public circles as under known as saying that he's not going to waste his family's money the way that uh, did, at, did at Villa and I think that's pretty obvious what's going on um, where, whereas you quite rightly say what a different beast we are at the moment we're a totally different animal and every level and in every way shape or form that you can analyse the club it, it's been like a transformation it's like emerging from a Christmas like a butterfly isn't it Steve? It is, it is, absolutely. Um, the, the whole feel, the whole buzz that there is around uh, around Sunderland, around Newcastle at the moment, in comparison to Sunderland, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. The change from this time last year is, is so, so much Crazy. different. The feeling on the internet, the feeling on the chat mm-hmm. rooms, uh, the feeling in the, in the pubs before the match, and um, everything about Newcastle is positive, positive, positive. The positive stuff that's coming out of the media team, the positive stuff that's coming out, like we heard from the players last week when they all turned up. I mean, it must be the first time I can ever recall virtually an entire first team squad of players that were available turning up at a function like the foundation event on, yeah. I think it was last Tuesday night. Um, 
you know, this is this is it is drifting back the way that it was um, under Keegan, where Keegan would take players out on the road. I was listening there to Lee Clark talking where he said that Keegan at one point he he uh, he, he stopped two lads in training and he goes be at the door at six o'clock at night and he was like what what's happening just be there and then he got a hold you know they arrived and said what, what's up boss what's up and it's like oh you come with me we've got to we're going with so and so down to a club uh, I've promised uh, that you'll come down and uh, say a few words and sign a few autographs and he says we didn't even know it <laughs> we're just told Turn up and make sure you got your tracksuit tops on, and that was about it, you know. Um, but that's where Keegan did it. Rafa's, Rafa's very similar in, in mm. so much as he, he he puts an awful lot of emphasis on the the support and giving back the support that he's getting uh, from the supporters, you know. The buzz about the club, as I say, is is, is fantastic, and you know, like you, Neil, we've been waiting an awful long time for this buzz to get back, and when you get that buzz back. Mm. It doesn't all feel good, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. Massive, massive buzzing, especially with the with the the flags on such a prominent on display at the weekend, and it just you know you you can feel the heartbeat like stronger and stronger, and probably the probably the only disappointing thing is we had Mr. Warnock um, up at the weekend trying to say that you know the goals shouldn't have happened because of Bye. this, this, and this. You, you're quite close. You're quite close to that area. What's, it must be hard to listen to. He's, he's quite entertaining, Neil. Warner, <laughs> you know, he's, he's good to watch. He's good to watch him just having what looks like an epileptic fit at times <laughs> on the touchline. You know, he, he gets himself into some uh, ridiculous states. Um, <laughs> it's, it's amusing, but you know that that's what football's about. He's, at least he's showing a bit of passion. I tell you what. Neil Warner at Sunderland would shake a few yeah. trees, you yeah. know. Uh, David Moyes should be shaking some trees, but it just shows you that no matter what you've got, no matter what, you know, the size of a football club, whatever you're bringing with you in terms of your ideas and your own passion and your own um, experience, if you if in this modern game, if you're not getting the money then the money's not there, then you're everybody else takes a jump during the summer and 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 strengthens their squad and you just decide to sit back for whatever reason um and you don't and it's a constantly evolving moving on moving on and this brings us to the fact that i was talking to the lads on saturday and we're all going everybody's happy with the squad and everybody's pleased at the way things are going and i said there'll be changes in january there'll be two or three new Mm. players coming in january there'll be players leaving but Rafa's already looking over his shoulder and, and he's saying to himself, right, this is where I expect to be and this is who I, I'm having, this is who's coming in and there'll be players coming in with a view to promotion, with a view to next season and, he, and that's the plan and that's the forward planning that he's doing. And I, you used to hear the likes of Lee Charlie talking at meetings mm-hmm. where he said, oh, we've got a three-year plan and we heard... Um, Lambay has talked about his five-year plan and stuff like that. It was all well and good having a plan, as long as you followed it. it. What we had was we had situations where the plan was constantly being changed, day to day, week to week, month to month, as as and and, and reacting. Whereas and, and a lot of it was probably more than likely just chat, 
you know it was just it was just there being being put out on the on the uh, on the on the way just to, just to convince fans that they thought they knew what they're doing but now we've got a manager who's come in and goes you know what you love plans don't you well the plan is my plan that's the plan you're going to follow and that's the one you're going to support you know probably the most interesting thing I saw at the weekend well probably the last couple of days Neil what do you think but Giselle, uh, Jamil Giselle's being linked with, with Chelsea for a ridiculous fee of 18 million. Now, if they, if they think they're going to get a player that's going to play, well, probably, you know, many, many years in that Newcastle defence for 18 million, they're either. So, and the team that they're building at Chelsea, they're, gonna, they're just going to buy players from all over the world. They're not going to give them monkeys. But if they think they're going to get an English player who probably will, given time, play for England, like I couldn't believe that. Feat. When I saw that, I thought, well, why would he go to Chelsea when he wouldn't? He's not. He won't play every single week. You know, it, it, obviously it's a it's a rumor, it's a it's a story. But uh, you know, I think that I think it's just a punt. What do you think, Neil? Um, you get them all the time, and we're going to have to get used to it. As we we've got a crop of players there, the younger ones are going to be looked at. Is, is pickings while we're in the championship. There's no doubt about that. Um, I have to say, his comments as club captain, though, in the subsequent mm-hmm. uh, subsequent uh, couple of days, yeah. quite impressive, impressive for a young man. And I'll tell you what, when he does open his mouth, he speaks very, very well. Mm-hmm. Very well indeed. And you can see why he's been given the on-band. You can see why he likes him. You know? Um... And we're just going to have to get used to it. And of course, people are going to take a punt. They're going to constantly mm-hmm. take a punt on it. It happens all the time. Remember when the journal had a scattergun approach to transfer speculation so that when one of the 20 names that was linked in two-week period came off, they could say, we told you first. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're all good at it. They all have a, a damn good poke and punt at it, um, trying to do it. So there you go. That, that's how it works. You also get, you also Neil, you get, you get agents who put names out there, and and are looking as on behalf of their their clients just to up their clients' profile, just to make the club realise that you know what you've only got them on a two-year contract or a three-year contract, <laughs> and you know he's he's playing very well at the minute, and you know it's 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 just a little way of often of just keeping the keeping the player's media profile. He's, he does very well from Swelf when he's talking, but it gives the yeah. The, the, the profile and the, it gets his name out there. Um, I mean, I, I can understand Chelsea coming from actually because Chelsea, Chelsea for me are, are, are playing some lovely football at the mm-hmm. moment, and he's changed to that that back three situation that he's got, you know. And <laughs> John Terry's not getting any younger, mm-hmm. and he's not getting a game. And mm-hmm. I can see Terry being away, you know. Um, he got a, he got an extension on his contract for a year, and then all of a sudden he's just not being played. Uh, I know he's been injured, but they've got, they're doing very, very well. They've got a system that's they put a lot of money out there for David Luiz, who everybody mm-hmm. laughed at when they bought him. Yeah. But tell you what, Conti's turned that team, and he's turned them into what looked like, to me, probably the most exciting team in the Premiership from what I've seen. I think they're more exciting than, than Manchester City yeah. at the moment. Well, they're playing uh, like Italy did in, in the, the, the European Championships, I thought. Well, well, playing a bit like that, but also they've got quality in that team. You know, mm-hmm. Italy, Italy did it with two and a half million pound Jack Greenies in that team. <laughs> this guy's mm-hmm. doing it with with Aiden Hazard, who's probably <laughs> worth 
52 and a half million, you know, 50 million more. And but they look, they look really good. They're not conceding goals, um, and the system suits them. And he's and he's doing really, really well with it. Um, would 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 Lascelles fit into that? He's quite a mobile player. Mm. Um, he, he's he's confident, but I think I think he'll find that um, like everybody else, we're, we're wishing and hoping and uh, convincing ourselves that this is this story is literally just another one of those. Let's fill the back page uh, midweek. Um, little snippet that goes out mm. there C- comes to nothing. Came from nothing, um, and it'll drift away. Do they still do newspapers? I don't know. There's everything just read on the internet. Or just, I don't think they use newspapers at chip shops anymore, do they? But we know what we mean from with it. It'll be tomorrow's uh, chip rather. Actually, the, the one thing uh, I haven't read of the players that Newcastle could bring in, there still seems to be a whisper about Mitrovic uh, being sold. Uh, I keep on hearing it. Yes, it is snippets here and there, but I haven't heard of... Uh, the only player I've heard Newcastle have already got a pre-arranged contract with is that lad from Brentford, Alan Judge. Uh, but I, I haven't seen... I haven't heard of many players who are being linked with Newcastle and it's November now. Have, have, have you heard anything, Neil or Steve? I've, I've heard I've nothing. Heard no, very little as well. Very, very little and not convinced either. Uh, on what I have heard, so not, nothing, nothing that I would certainly repeat here. No, what I are you doing, kitchen. Steve? I'm just walking around the kitchen here, trying to avoid the cat who's trying to grab a hold of the lead on the end of this telephone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that's the best way for Newcastle to do their business, isn't it? I think too many times in, over the last, well, God, <laughs> well, 20 years or so, Newcastle have been linked with players being sold. You can't, you know, we're going to get this player under, we're going to get that player. I think now it's a it's a state of calm that you know there is there is a plan in place. Who they're going to get, nobody's going to know about it. But I think it will happen quite quickly in the window if they decide to to bring bring a player in. The one thing that surprised me, maybe surprises you, Neil and Steve, but uh, Neil first. But I did expect to see a bit more of Murphy, even on uh, as a substitute. Uh, the fact that with Newcastle hanging on a little bit against um, Cardiff. I thought he'd been given spurts in and out of the team to get him involved in some way. Are you surprised at that, Neil? It's a wonderful problem to have. Mm-hmm. To have last year's championship top scorer and not even getting a sniff on the bench. It's an absolutely wonderful problem to have. And he probably brings things in the dressing room that you don't realise. Um, I get the distinct impression, Raph, as a total and complete manager and researches absolutely everything to the nth degree mm. and perhaps it's not just about his ability and what he can do on the pitch perhaps there's something about the lad in the dressing room that he said, thought this is the lad I want in, in, involved with my squad mm. there's probably things that Mitrovic is learning off him on the training ground every mm. single day because um, Mitrovic might be, a, be a, a, a nutcase but he's pretty dedicated to the cause and he, I get the distinct impression he's a player who is a learner. And if, you, if he sees mm-hmm. things that he can take on board, he will. Um, it, it's those kind of things that are sort of almost invaluable within a football squad. You kind of put money on it. Um, and, and as I say, it's, it's a wonderful problem to have, isn't it, Steve? 
It is. I thought. I think you're right about Mitrovic. What, what we're seeing is a different player to last season. You can tell that he's getting battered in this league. Absolutely battered at times. It's a physical battle that, mm. that he goes into. But he's staying calm. He's not retaliating. There's been very, very little uh, instances where he's even given fouls away. He's sticking his body on the line and he's he's winning the free kicks. He's he's winning the aerial duels at times. He's 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 the one who's taking the the. the the cracks on the back of the head, the digs in the ribs, uh, the kicks, and and he's bouncing back up. Now last season he was running around mm. like like a total headbanger, wasn't he? Putting his mm. foot in where it didn't need to be needed, um, going over the top of the ball. Um, purely, I don't think there was any malice or intent in any of those challenges he was making, other than he wanted to show people that he was hard and tough and aggressive, right. and he wanted to win. But he was channeling himself in the wrong direction. What Rafa's been able to do, he's been able to take him to one side. I think he's probably learning off the likes of Murphy, like you say, who's sitting there saying, you know what, I've played in this league, son. I know what, what you're going to be getting. Be prepared for this. Be prepared for that. He's playing alongside and back against the likes of Lascelles and training, who's played in that league for quick, for a couple of seasons, two seasons, who knows what it's like. You know, and, and able to push him around and, and give him a, a bit of a physical battle in training as well. Mm. But he's, he, you can tell he's learning from it. And we've got a great thing here going that we've got two strikers who can put the ball in the back of the net. And we can change the style of play. Rafa, did, I think, did the sensible thing on Saturday. He, he, he kept Kale out. He mm. didn't risk him either. Um, mm. I, I said in midweek, I was on another radio station, as again, I said in midweek that I expected Mitrovic to start. I didn't expect Gale to, to be used. The, mm. the reason and rationale being that we had a two-week window after this in which Gale, if he had a slight groin or hamstring yeah. problem, could just be rested and, and walk through. And the advantage being as well is that if Mitrovic did get injured, all he was going to miss was that sitting in an aeroplane, sitting in an airport and sitting mm. in a foreign hotel for God knows how many days and would probably have done him the world of good to get battered so much that he didn't need, <laughs> need, need to go on international duty, you know? So Rafa's looking and thinking, if he gets injured, it's not going to be our problem, it's going to be the international manager's problem. But my problem is making sure that against Leeds United, which is, I think, is it, I think, is it Leeds, is Leeds for next game or Leeds? No, it's, it's Blackburn, isn't it? I'm not no, sure I think Leeds for next game, isn't it? Is it Leeds, um, is it? Leeds, Let's lead the way. next game, away, on the, on the, and we've got an extra day as well. And Leeds are, Leeds are doing quite well now. Yeah. Gary Monk's got Leeds playing some decent football. They're not scoring goals. They're conceding goals. They're not, but they're not scoring them. I mean, they're, they're winning, you know, 1 0, 3 2, that type of thing. So their goal difference isn't very high. Mm. I think they scored something like 19 goals, conceded 17 this season. But the momentum's with Leeds in terms of how, the, how they have been performing recently. Um, and. It's going to be a smashing little game against them. We're going to, it's it's going to be tough. They're a partisan crowd, and there's going to be just on 2,800 there. Um, it's not very far. Um, and I, I think, yet again, uh, Rafa looking at looking ahead to that fixture, you know. And then we've got Blackburn Rovers, and, well, totally different kettle of fish. Blackburn sitting at the bottom of the league. Uh, you know, I think they've won one in the last seven. Um, they're, they're up next at St James's Park. Um, I think we've got. Then after that, we haven't got that many games in, 
uh, at home. Uh, I think we'll play Birmingham on the 10th, um, and then we don't play again until the 26th. And mm-hmm. When we'll play Sheffield Wednesday, which is probably the nearest, other than Leeds, it's the nearest thing we'll get into a derby this season. <laughs> should be, I think, Neil, that, that, game, that game against Leeds should be an absolute humdinger. Shouldn't it? Oh, it, 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 it should be because I mean, uh, I think is it their first sellout for twelve years? Something like that. <laughs> um, and, and so you can guarantee we're going to have little pockets of fans dotted all over the ground. I've got no doubt about that. Mm. It's going to have atmosphere. It's going to have old school edge. Um, there's already people talking about a little bit of old school edge going on there already. Um, as Steve quite rightly says they're on a roll. Uh, the, 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 was it Norwich that did it the weekend? It was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and it's not that not that first win either. They, they, they put a nice little run together, and again they talk about momentum. International break comes just at a bad time for them, and probably a little bit of a nice time for us because we look jaded towards the end of the, the, the second half from what I've seen of the game uh, at the weekend. So a little bit of rest, a little bit of time to recuperate. Gale can be fully fit. There was no point in risking him, on particularly given the weather. If he's got a hamstring or a groin, and it's the kind of weather you can you can easily make that worse, not better, by having to risk him. And so um, we go there refreshed and recharged and ready to keep a bit of momentum going. We've got what is it eight points and twenty goals over third place now. Um, that's that's actually quite frankly ridiculous for this time of the season. Um, but that's that's the craziness of this league. If you look below us in Brighton, you can go from third all the way down to about twelfth, mm. and there's not that much in them. There's the sort of cigarette papers between them, and it's and, and it's bad decisions and and silly goals on silly days that's let teams down. Norwich have dropped right off to the mm. point where I've even heard suggestions that their manager's under pressure for his job. Yeah, and yeah. isn't, isn't that bloody ridiculous for a team that really aren't Sunderland doing Sunderland that bad? Was it was at Well, I've got to bring in. Sorry, gentlemen, I've got to bring in my. Sorry, Steve, I've got to bring in my main guest of the season uh, of this evening, and that's Scott Wilson, the chief sports writer of the Northern Echo. Good evening, Scott. How are you? Evening, Andrew. I'm good, thank you. I'm fine, thanks. Good stuff. So, um, obviously you've got Neil Mitchell, you've got Steve Hasty on the line as well with you. But um, just tell me, uh, from, your, from your point of view, I suppose you, we can't, you can't believe uh, the way that, how things have trans- transpired with Newcastle, with Rafa Benitez coming in, and everything is all glory, glory, Newcastle United right now, aren't they? I, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It is incredible, really. Um, just the turnaround from the final weeks of last season um, is remarkable. I mean, it, remarkable in terms of, you know, you came away from Villa and it just felt like everything was up in the air. You know, it, it looked unlikely that, that Benitez would stay. You then wondered what would that mean for, you know, um, the financial position, what would Ashley do, who would leave, who would stay. And, and to get to where we are now, you know, just five months down the line, that's the most remarkable thing. I mean, you know, a lot of clubs, it, it, five seasons in the championship, and, and they just about get the house in order in, in that kind of time frame. So to have turned it round in the way they have in five months is, is, is you know, nothing short of remarkable. And, and it's kind of, it's more than that, though, isn't it, as well? Because it's the fact that, you know, not only is everything going so well on the pitch, but off the pitch... 
you know, there does seem to have been a real kind of sea change in the attitude of the hierarchy of the club towards the fans, towards the towards the manager, towards what they want to do there. And it just it feels like a completely different club to how it was at the back end of last season. And even now, like everything in football, winning makes a massive amount of difference. And yes, it's only the championship, but when you're winning week in, week out, that does dictate the mood and, and that makes it you know, much easier to generate the kind of feel-good factor that there is around at the minute. Would that still hold if Newcastle were to get promoted and be struggling in 17th, 18th, whatever? Who knows? But at the minute, you've got to say that, yeah, you know, the, the way things have changed since the back, in, back end of last season is incredible. I think it's been one of them. I, I don't think... Uh, probably, the, probably the one time in Newcastle, probably Neil chip in here in a minute, but um, the one time where you can actually... You know, come on from work, or you know, go on social media, talk to you, talk to people at work. There's always been like an edge with Newcastle, especially with managers, especially Steve McLaren. The the way things ended with him quite abruptly, and obviously re- relegation. Then we brought in um, Benitez, but um, there was always a an edge. You, you never every time there was something happening with the transfers coming in, the people being sold. If you look at Sissoko. The, the, the amount of money that I will, I will, I will chip in. I mean, it, over over his history with the club and communication with the club's always been an issue. Mm. Always, I mean, it's, you've got me and Steve on the line here who haven't just just tried to ease that way. At one point, we were digging the trenches, and then we were trying to build the bridges, and mm. um, and it's and it's been a pattern of that that the club repeatedly shot themselves in the foot, and it didn't matter how they tried to communicate. They somehow found a way to do it wrong or picked at a really bad time or a crass way to do mm. something. This is the time of the year that me and Steve used to get jumpy because we were waiting for a, a, a fire to put out or something to dampen because Derek Lambias was just about to make some ridiculous statement because we were coming up to an <laughs> international break on a weekend. And that was when they usually used to choose yeah, to do it true. because they knew they had two weeks without people in the ground going mental. Mm. And, 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 and it, it was just crazy. And now... The total sea change in the way that you can reach out and connect with a club, it's, 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 you know, as Scott quite rightly says, totally and utterly different. I've got people over here who, who are interacting, obviously, because obviously you know I, I tweet a significant amount. Um, you know, you have people, fans of other clubs who are interacting with me on Twitter over here who can't believe the difference. They can see it in the interaction between myself and the club. You know, it, it, it's that palpable. They're absolutely everybody looking from the outside in of what a different beast the, the club is when they've been in there. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think an awful lot of that comes from Benitez. Um, I think that, you know, at, at Liverpool, he, he, he made a real kind of thing of getting what the club meant and, you know, engaging with the kind of grassroots uh, fan engagement. And he's carried that through to Newcastle. Um and, you know, I think an awful lot has come from the fact that the club has put its faith in Rafa Benitez, kind of said, look, you guide us with the way you want this club to go, um, and, and he's been able to do that. What I would say, um, you know, I think it's probably helped as well that Mike Ashley has had bigger fish to fry in his uh, various other business dealings that, to a certain extent... I think he has been much more hands-off than he has been at other times in his Newcastle tenure. And he said, look, 
you just get on with it. You, you run it as you like to, to kind of Charlie and um, Lee Charlie and, and Rafa Benitez, and and there hasn't been the kind of you know um, unhelpful micromanagement that there's maybe been in the past, where you know off the wall decisions have kind of come from nowhere. That that hasn't happened under Benitez, and I think partly it's probably has been because he's you know he, he, he's got a lot else on his plate at the minute. So I think that's probably helped. Yeah, I think with the the fact that um, he's now planning uh, for windows coming forward as well, isn't it? Like, you, I suppose when you're at the ground, what's what's the single thing that you've picked up? Obviously, since McLaren left, is it is it a massive change for when you go in there compared to what it used to be like? And obviously, with with the the things that uh, Mr. Ash used to do, it, it just seems to be. A completely well, a one eighty, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we we yeah, we do see that. You know, from a from a press point of view, we, we see that in terms of the the, the access that we're able to get, um, in terms of speaking to players and things like that. And and um and you know, in in the past, it was very it it was very divisive. There's been times when it's been you know, certain major organisations mm. had this, certain major organisations didn't have this. If you paid this, you got this. Blah blah blah. Now. Mm. Now it is much more open. It, it is much more, um, you know, what, what can we do to help you? What can you do help to help us? Kind of thing. Um, I mean, you know, again, to playing kind of devil's advocate, I think I think the fact that they're in the championship does have a factor in that because you know, whether they like it or not, the, the championship nationally just does not have anything like the same profile as the Premier League in terms of national newspapers in terms of you know t- tv coverage and stuff like that so mm. to keep newcastle in the limelight which they have in fairness done pretty successfully you know they've had to be a bit, a bit more forthcoming but the hope would be and i think all the signs are that that they don't want that to change if slash when they do go back so you know hopefully it is it is a change that lasts are you getting fed now, Scott? Getting <laughs> fed, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm about to ask that. Yeah, yeah. Even, even to that, yeah. Um, yeah, we're getting uh, What was it? I think it was a bit of lasagna at the weekend. So that was all right, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, it is. It is. It is much more open. It's, it's just to the point where you kind of turn up and, and players will say hello to you and Rafa Benitez will pop his head out and say hello to you and, you know, just, just the, the very simple things but that make it much less of a us and them, which it certainly felt like for, you know, for a long time. Mm. Well done, yeah. I, I was expecting you to say Welsh rabbit there. Cause we're <laughs> <laughs> paella, yeah, a bit of paella. Get Rafa in for a bit of paella. <laughs> So when you have you have you met with him a lot, Scott? In your in in your dealings with him, have you like with a one on one? Is it yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Um, and what I would say about him is that for somebody who has kind of done what he's done and mm. achieved what he's achieved, he um, he just is so engaging and. Um, I, he just comes across a really nice bloke. And mm. a lot of the time with managers, sometimes that's just what it boils down to. Do you know what I mean? He, he's mm. just, he's a very good people person. Mm. So he is engaging, he is warm, he knows who you are, he says hello. Um, he, you know, and, and he's still kind of, because I remember right at the start of the season, Bristol City away, one, you know, one of the early away games. Mm. Um, and... You know, championship venues in general are not as kind of plush and as well turned out as press venues. And so 
after the game at Bristol City, you're kind of waiting. Um, you're waiting to speak to the managers, and the Bristol City manager was in their little press room. Mm. Um, I'd been out in the kind of corridor speaking. I think it was Dwight Gale who obviously got the winner. Rafa Benitez is literally in the corridor waiting to go in, waiting for their manager to finish. The, the kit people are kind of trying to get the kid out past him, if that kind of makes sense. So Rafa Benitez is like, oh, I better get out of the way. So it's literally me, Rafa Benitez, and the press officer in like a tiny little broom cupboard at Bristol City's ground, just chatting about this, that, and the other. And you think, God, this is a, this is a Champions League winning manager. He'd have been a broom cupboard at Bristol City, just being absolutely the nicest bloke you would imagine. So, you know, from that point of view, he's been brilliant. Um, he's, he's not... He's not one of these managers who will give you a real soundbite. He's, he's, yeah. he's not kind of... Um, he, he doesn't say a lot of controversial stuff, which, um, you know, from a press point of view, often, you know, it makes your life an awful lot easier if, if you kind of got a, a Mourinho-esque, yeah. there's a crisis, there's a story right. and everything he says, yeah. blah, blah, blah. He's not really like that, Rafa. Um, you know, I kind of remember after the Norwich game, and, and you, you were kind of desperate for him to say, God, this was, you know, what an incredible night, one of the most amazing games I've been involved with. And he doesn't really gush like that. Um, but he's, he, you know, he's, he's, um, he's, he's, he's very, very good to deal with. He comes, I must admit, when, when every time you... I've, I've, I've started to notice, I think uh, the one person that seemed to wind him up more than anybody is Warnock. Because yeah, I could yeah, tell yeah, by his I press conference afterwards, he was very. He yeah, just, you know, there is a bit of history there, isn't there? And I, yeah. I think he, he probably got under his skin a bit. And it, I mean, it, mm. I would love, you know, it, it would be great to, to see him back in the Premier League, just because you know he has had kind of little run-ins with with a number of the kind of big Premier League managers, and it would be good to see him back in that environment, up you know, up against a Wenger, up against a Mourinho, whatever. Mm. Um, but I think. I think to a certain degree he's quite enjoying being down there at the minute and, you know, having having the kind of control that he's got and, um, you know, the one thing he does love is he, he just likes talking football. So, you know, quite often after we've kind of had our press conference with him, um, and obviously now there's not the numbers that, 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 you know, that there would be if they were at home to Man United. There's certainly not the kind of... TV numbers or the foreign press or anything like that, that that you get in and around the Premier League. So he feels much more comfortable with us, I think. And he's very, you know, he's very receptive to kind of having a quick, well, 15, 20 minutes off the record at the end, chatting about when he was at Real or chatting about what he thinks about this player. Or, you know, he's he's very good, again, in that respect. It seems like, um, has he, has it, well, has he he said anything about, obviously, I don't know, off the record, but um, is there anything to get excited about in the in the transfer window? And um, I think as, as somebody already mentioned, when it comes to Dal Murphy, since he's come to the club from from Ipswich, have you noticed any factor with with Daryl there? Because you know I heard a couple of weeks ago from Steve that he comes across as very very well. He wants to get fit, but he hasn't really had a chance with Newcastle yet yeah, to get I on think, the pitch. I think, um, I think you know. He's probably frustrated, Daryl Murphy, yeah. about the fact that he just hasn't really been able to get fit and get any kind of a run and do himself justice yet. Um, you know, I, I think I think the Murphy signing was always a kind of um, plan B. Uh, yes, 
Yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a short term solution to a problem that might have arisen at some stage during the season. You know, I think the the hope was that if Gail and Mitrovic stayed fit, they were the plan was always going to be that they would be the lead strikers. Now, you know, um, it, Newcastle have done very well to, to keep their players fit thus far. Uh, the, the, you know, just the sheer weight of games in the championship, you probably would have expected more injuries than there's been to this stage. So that's another factor that you know they haven't been scratching round for strikers at any stage of the season. Um, you know, if all goes to plan, Daryl Murphy probably won't play an awful lot between now and the end of the season. But it's, there are scenarios, whether through a loss of form or through injury, where you know all of a sudden he could be pitched in for an eight-game run at a very crucial stage of the season. So. You know, he will be there in reserve. In terms of January, I think... I don't think that Newcastle, that either Rafa Benitez or Lee Charnley see a massive need to replenish this squad at the minute to get out of the championship. I think they see that they've got what they need in pretty much every position. Now, again, you know, if you were to get a sudden run of eight injuries between now and January, then, yeah, they might look at a stopgap, but... I think they look at that squad and say there is more than enough depth there now. So I don't... And as long as Newcastle are remotely where they are at the minute come January, I also don't think they'll want to overload that squad with, in inverted commas, championship players. Because I think they, you know, they'll be banking on the fact that they're not going to be in the championship come May. So I think in January... If, if they feel that there's a couple of deals that could be done for players who they might potentially be looking at in the summer as Premier League players, but who would be willing to join now, I don't think it's out of the question that they could look to do that type of a deal. What I don't think you'll see is a Daryl Murphy-type signing as a championship stopgap, because I think they feel that they've got enough of them to get them over the line already. Yeah, I, I think with them, obviously, the, I've I read it, an article about Atusu with Paul Fraser, but it was interesting with him, isn't it? <laughs> the interesting thing with with him, he's on, he's on a loan, isn't he? And uh, and I think it would would be a bit too quick for Newcastle to look to tie him up. What's your thoughts on Atusu? Because he looks a canny player, but I think with any player who hasn't played a lot of football, especially at Arsenal, uh, that. You know, he, he needs a full season with with Newcastle before we actually make a decision. I yeah, I, I, I think um, I think he's a player that they'd probably like to keep. I think I think the minute that they signed him on loan at the start of the um, in the summer rather, I think the plan was always that it would be with a view to signing him. Um, the indications that I got at that time were that Chelsea probably would be willing to sell at the end of it. Um, so. I, I think that'll be a deal that, that will be done. Whether it's done in January or whether it's done in the summer, um, I, I, you know, I, I think the groundwork of that deal is already done, to be perfectly honest. I, yeah. I, I think that will happen. Um, whether you announce it in January or whether you just sit on it and then it happens in the summer, I think it'll, that, that is more likely. But I assume when Newcastle go up, then I think Atsu will be a permanent signing, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people are, I keep on hearing about um, if Newcastle do go up, like you know they're, they're talking about they're talking about Mata uh, from Man United. Um, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, aren't we? I think <laughs> I think with Newcastle. Um, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting one. In it, it'll be very interesting to see what 
signing policy Newcastle adopt if they go up? You know, will will it be an immediate reversion back to the, if you like, the old template of, um, you know, youngish, relatively inexperienced players, predominantly from abroad, looking to bring them on, which ultimately ended in the club getting relegated last time, but on the flip side was was potentially also saved them because it meant that when they were relegated, they were still able to sell these players and bring in a, a big profit. Um, I think... I, I don't... I think that, it, that that still will largely be the policy. I don't think you'll see Newcastle sign a whole host of 28, 29, 30, 31-year-old players um, mm. on kind of big money wages at the end of their kind of careers. I just don't think that that is something that either Ashley or Charlie will be willing to um, to sign up to. Having said that, I think that Benitez has more sway than any other manager has ever had at Newcastle under this regime. And I think that mm. if he picked one or two that he said, look, yeah. I really want to hang my hat on these players and I think they would make a real difference to us. I think that they would be more willing to adapt the policy than they have been in the past. But I don't, you know, I still don't think you will, you're going to see a whole host of, you know, late 20s, big name, big money players coming in who, on a five or six year contract, will be worth next to nothing at the end of it. I just don't think that that'll happen. Can well, I just in there, Scott? Go ahead, just, go ahead. Can I just check that? I think what you'll also find is that the players that do come in, this will be different to what was apparently happened in the past. These are players coming in that the manager wants. Mm-hmm. The manager's identified and the manager's told them to go out and get as opposed to what we heard from Pardew, whether it was right or not. But in the last few weeks, this pressure has been lumbered on him. He's been coming out with some statements along the lines of, well, you know, the players that brought in, they weren't the players I wanted, you know. I, I wanted so-and-so and I wanted, I wanted this type of player, but I, I didn't get them. And I think what we'll see definitely with Rafa is the players that come in are players that he's identified through his new, co- new scouting system that he's put in place with his people alongside Graham Call, running the show and identifying those players and going back, sorting out the, v- the value of those players, deciding what the club can afford at that particular time and then going out and getting them. Um, that's, just, that's the change that we're getting. Yeah. We're, getting, we're, getting it, we're getting it controlled by the manager. And the, Lee, the, the role of Lee Charnley and, and, and Mike Ashley is to provide the money and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that... I think, no, I think, that, I think you're right. I think that's a very fair point. I think that, you know, Rafa Benitez unquestionably has more input into the, the, the whole of the recruitment process than, um, than, than kind of, you know, anyone, um, anyone, yeah. anyone in, the Ashley, in, the, in the Ashley regime. So, yeah, I think it's pretty inconceivable that players will be coming in either above his head or that he wasn't kind of willing to sign off. Um, but, as I, you know, yeah... I, so I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think there will still be parameters, but I think that, as you say, the difference is that Benitez will know exactly what those parameters are and will, you, one presumes is more than happy to work within them. Yeah, and that, and that would be the same for any manager, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah with any club. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, club, no, it's no, no manager has a carte blanche to, to kind of dictate, per, you know, kind of the cart and horses of a transfer policy. No, exactly. You know, there's financial constraints, there's... Mm. there's um, certain clubs obviously have certain wage limits, certain clubs have certain lengths of deals that they will or won't sign up to. So, yeah, that, that happens anywhere. 
I think that the, the the one have you heard about this? I've been talking for a few weeks now. Alan Judge from Brentford. Now it led to believe obviously he's injured. Yeah. But it, it's mean, an interesting one, isn't it? That's a that is a very strange one that we've never really been able to get to the bottom of. That you know, there was I. I think with that one, had had he been fully fit, I think he would have signed. Um, I think he would have signed in um, in the summer. Uh, whether it would have been instead of Atsu or along with Atsu, I honestly don't know because you know they were looking at Atsu. They looked mm. at McManaman, Callum McManaman a lot. Yeah. They were looking at Judge now. The thought was always that that deal could, would still go through, potentially in January, potentially in the summer, when he got fit or whatever. Now, the, the, the difference, you know, the kind of difference is that we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but come January, Newcastle could, you know, should be a club with one big foot, hopefully, in the Premier League. So the, the judgment then is... Was Alan Judge at the time a kind of, you know, championship signing to, to, to get them to where they wanted to be with a potential view to be able to trade under the Premier League? Or, or was he a player that they genuinely thought from the word go was, was capable of doing the job in the Premier League as well? Um, and I honestly don't know the answer to that. I would have to hold my hands up there. I, I, you know, is there, has there been interest in him? Yes. Is there still interest in him? Yes. Um, would he have to prove his fitness? Yes. But what I don't know is whether Newcastle might cool that interest if it looks like they're, you know, pretty much going to be going to be a Premier League club. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the interesting thing about it, all of it, the fact that they're being linked with McManaman was probably linked, and I, we kept on hearing that Atusa was coming in, mm. but. With McManaman now, if you look at the way Newcastle have played, and the fact that players players aren't getting into the team anyway, yeah, like you can't imagine McManaman. The, 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 the thing I like about McManaman is he's a he's an aggressive little tall rag, and he'll and he'll really get the ball and attack the line. But unless they sell somebody or I. I you know, at the time yeah, I, think, I thought I it would be great. one was always an either or with Atsu. Really, I think that I think the minute that Atsu went through, the McManaman interest cooled. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, the, the the unforeseen one and the one that that has um, that has kind of changed the dynamics of the wide positions this season is Guffran because even. Yeah. Even yeah. come, you know, even come the kickoff of the season, I don't think Rafa Benitez would 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 have, uh, you know, he he liked Guffran at that stage. You probably mm. thought that that he was capable of coming in and do some doing something. But you know, if, if you said to Rafa Benitez on day one of the season that Guffran would be starting eleven games out of twelve or whatever it is mm. of the last ones at this stage of the season, now, you know, I I think you would would probably have laughed at you. So. Mm. You know, had he not, had he either gone or had he not progressed as he has, then, then yeah, there would have been more of a role potentially for another wide player. The fact that Guffran is, you know, one of the first midfield names on the team sheet at the minute means that you're right. You know, between now and the end of the season, it's hard to see how another wide player of that ilk would get much of a look in. What what he's also got as well, and we've seen is is the way that he's handled. Um, the situation bringing in Yedlin, yeah. and and we've had the, it was a situation on Saturday where uh, he substituted Gufran and he immediately pushed Yedlin um, up into the midfield. 
Yeah. Um, and he and he moved he moved Atsil over onto the other side of the pitch uh, to accommodate that move, and he and he was able to bring full back in, you know. And he and he's and he's thinking, and I think that the way that the game was being played on Saturday, that played it kind of played it a, a bit into Benitez's hands. The way that, that that they went about the second half, where they became more aggressive and they became they seemed to concentrate more on the physical battle rather than what they could do, because they had two or three good chances that yeah. across that the four posts, and you, and you thought, oh, what's going on? And then the, the midfield suddenly decided we're going to typical warnout, we're going to kick lumps out of them for the last <laughs> ten or fifteen, you know. And and, and, it, and it was interesting. And Rafa just right, well, we'll just move the ball out onto the wing. We'll just have a little bit more more mobility. Um, and they, they did at that particular time that that did stifle Shelby to, to a certain extent. He, he, he he's, his game seemed to go off a little bit. Um, but Rafa, it's like a game of chess with him. He's, he's got it all in his head. He plays this three-dimensional game. He, he, he knows when at certain times you know that somebody's going to get off the bench and come on. Um, but it's it's the it's the manner in which he's handling these players. Um, and he's bringing them forward, and he's and he's giving them opportunities. And as you say, with Gufran, uh, you would never have expected to, even in the close season. During the close season, we were seeing Gufran's name on the team sheet, saying, "What's he wasting a, yeah. a bit of yeah. going on here? What's he wasting?" Yeah, well, that was it. You know, you, you kind of, you were going through the lists of, you know, Sissoko, well, he'll be gone. Vidalden, well, he'll be gone. Gufran, well, he'll be gone. And and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and yet Anita. Uh, he's, 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 yeah. he's, he's obviously convinced that Anita is just a right back. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, him, Anita know. played him in in midfield in pre-season, didn't he? A yeah. number of times That's he right. played centre mid, but but um, you know, it was towards the end of mid pre-season where where he kind of he had him back at right back. I mean, obviously. Um, you know, Jan Matt played right back in a few pre-season games right at the start, didn't he? But he, clearly he was another yeah. one who you always were pretty convinced he, he, he would end up going. So then, so then you know, Rafa's obviously identified at a pretty early stage that, that Anita can play there. And, he, you know, he's, he's, been, he's been very good, hasn't he? Um, you know, I think, um, I think he's, he's probably more suited to, um, to right back than centre mid, certainly in the championship. Um, you know, would would he would he be as effective as a right back in the Premier League? Not not utterly convinced. You know, I'm not I'm not so sure about that. I think you need to see that because because you know he would he would come up against cleverer stri- strikers who would pull back onto him. You would have thought, yeah. um, but also you you would you would be wanting him probably to do more going forward. Um, in the Premier League, but certainly uh, in the Championship, and the, you know, in this side, he he um, he's, he's more than kind of justified his player. I think the one thing that's probably surprised everybody, Scott, is that for the first time in years, we've got so many options. Yeah, like it's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's it, and 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 I think you know, and I think that's the reason why you. I, I don't think you'll see in January a clamour to kind of. You know, normally a side that's up near the top of the table in the the championship, come January, you're thinking, well, they'll be looking to probably bring in a couple of loan signings from Premier League clubs Mm. just to get them over the line and freshen Mm. things. I don't think you'll see that at the minute because, you know, you talk about Daryl Murphy. Well, he's almost like a new signing. You know, he's barely Mm. kicked the ball for Newcastle this season. So, you know, he's to come in. Um, you know, you, you, you've got more than enough options in central midfield. You've got more than enough options out wide, you would think. So I... 
you know, yes, there are that options, and, and, and that's why I think if anyone comes in January, it'll be with more of a view to, to, to the Premier League than to just fleshing out the squad for the last four months of the season. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought is because Scott was quite right. He says it'd be a strategic signing, either somebody that will got lined up after the summer, and if it looks like they're going to help us push that final push and they're willing to take that chance, they'll bring them in early, or it'll be something brought out necessity. But as you, you quite rightly say, Andrew, you know, look at the options. We've, we've talked about right backs, but haven't even talked about Jesus Gamers yet. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's still yeah. he's still to come back from injury. So we've got more and more options as time ticks, you know. Um, I think any any signing will be won't be a statement signing. I think they'll wait, leave them till the summer. It'll be something quite strategic. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, think I think you're right because you know I think to, to, to be fair as well, you know I I, th- I think um, I, if if slash when they are promoted, I, I think there probably will be a couple of you know, statement-type, big-money yeah. signings in the summer because I think you will need that going into the Premier League. But, you know, with the greatest will in the world, those players probably wouldn't wouldn't come to a, no. a championship side just in case the worst happened in the second half of the season. You know, you can kind of understand that, I guess. Yeah, you can. Absolutely can. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, let's, let's just see how it rolls come January. You, you look at where rivals around were and, and you can say, for example, Brighton looks short of a centre-forward. You know, Huddersfield yeah. um, looks short of depth. Um, Norwich, now the wheels have come off, look yeah. short of organisation. Yeah. And uh, they just look all over the place. And so you can see that you look at the rivals below and you say, OK, they might be looking for this, they might be looking for that. You look at our squad and you say, well, what are we actually looking for? Yeah, well, that's um, it. I mean, Brighton and Huddersfield are more like your kind of archetypal championship sides who in January if they're up there you're looking at them and thinking if they could bring, yeah, if they, if they could bring in you know a couple of half decent Premier League loan signings for the second half of the season just to give them another option freshen things up a little bit I could see both of those looking to go down that route um, but I just don't think that makes any sense for Newcastle Thanks so much Steve for, Steve here for being on the show it's been tremendous been as ever Thanks very Cheers much Ben Cheers Steve Brilliant from Scott isn't it yeah. So cheers, man. We're going to bring in our next caller this evening who's uh, been waiting for a bit. It's uh, Lee Johnson. Good evening, Lee. Hello, mate. All right. I'm not too bad. So you've got uh, Scott uh, from the, the Northern Echo on the line. So tell me, uh, what's obviously Scott's had some great insight tonight. Uh, how how do you feel with the, the, the team obviously going forward? Like as Scott says, it's um, uh, we seem to have players who can play in any position and we've got other We've got such a great window of opportunity ahead if we if we decide to to, to actually dis, to sign anybody. Well, I think we're um, well. We've pretty much been saying over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I still think we. I don't think we've been we played great all season. Yeah, we're still mm-hmm. just we've just been following along, picking up points. We've got better. We've got better in terms of organisation, making it, making ourselves difficult to beat. We've got three, two, three players for each. Pretty much each, each position, the, the squad really hasn't been tested yet. Um, I think obviously over the next couple of months, the winter suspensions and different things like that, all teams around us are going to get tested like ourselves, but I think we have the um, we currently have the squad to deal with it. I would imagine if we do look to sign anyone in January, I don't think we'll sign anyone just for sign and seek. I think it will be designed for if we go up next season. 
I don't think we'll bring any more squad players in. So, yeah, we're in a good position. I, I do think um, we look strong. We're currently eight points clear of third place. Technically nine if you probably could give yourself an extra point for the goal difference. And, you know, Newcastle, in essence, I mean, looking at us, looking how strong we are, well, we knew we might lose another three games this season, but mm. are everyone else going to below us continue to win? Because it's all about going up first or second. It doesn't matter if we're champions or not. It's interesting, Scott, isn't it? Because I, I'm actually looking at... I don't look at the top two. I look at three because that's the most important part, isn't it? To keep yeah. the distance of the third team. So, you know, we, we start building up that cushion um, because, you know, we, we know teams like, you know, I've still got a funny feeling that Villa will come with a revitalised, re-energised Steve Bruce. I think you're right. Um, you know, I think I think there are there are a couple of sides down there. You know, <laughs> ironically, after the conversation we've just had, it, it mm. wouldn't surprise me if Steve McLaren got Derby back up there because they are, you know, they have underperformed dramatically mm. in the first two months of the season for the way that that squad is. Um, uh, you know, I, I've covered uh, the Northern Echo. We obviously cover Middlesbrough as well, yeah. so I've covered Borough yeah. down in the Championship it, through all of their kind of you know promotions and near misses. And mm. so, from doing that, you know, it, that has taught you that this is a competitive league. Um, you know, things do change. But having said that. At no stage were Middlesbrough anywhere near as, as, as comfortable as Newcastle are in terms of the gap that they've built up at this stage. And at no stage did Middlesbrough have the squad depth that Newcastle have got. And I think that's the key. You know, the Borough side that went up last season from 1-11 to 11 was a very good side for the championship. Um, would, would, you know, would undoubtedly have given Newcastle's side at the minute a game. What, what, but what even Borough didn't have last season was... Piece. The the thirteen to twenty two mm. that Newcastle have got, yeah. and that's why come the second half, you know, the last two months mm. of the season, Borough were scrambling to get over the line because they, they just didn't have the the options that that Newcastle. You know, mm. Newcastle could have six injuries between now and Christmas, and yet yeah. and yet the side that they'd be putting out as the as the the League Cup games have shown would still be the best side in the Championship. Um, you know. You really, really, really don't want to tempt fate, um, yeah. but I, I, I can't see Newcastle suffering the kind of problems that teams in the Championship tend to suffer, which is the reason why they miss out on promotion when they've looked really well set. And generally, mm. that tends to be because they don't have a deep enough squad. Yeah, squad depth is a constant problem at Championship level because it's constantly balancing the books, and that's what being financially buoyant and making the profit we have in the transfer windows made a big difference. I know a lot of the other teams whinge about we're buying mm-hmm. the league, but um, we've do, be been able to do it because we've sold so much mm-hmm. in terms of player value. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, that's enabled Benitez to go out and strengthen wherever he's wanted. And I think you're right, going back to Borough, I think that that was seemed definitely to be, from what I saw of them last season, their, their problem towards the end of the season, they were scrambling because they were playing half-fit and half-fit players and players out of position and youngsters who weren't quite ready for the for the blood and thunder and it, it that's what squads like. I look at Huddersfield, for example, in those teams at the top, and I wonder about their 13 to 22, as you mm-hmm. just say, and you say, well, they're two injuries away from disaster. Yeah. Um, whereas we're not. 
Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that yeah, I think Scott, when you when you when you think what Lee just said, Newcastle haven't really played well. I don't think, and I agree with him, that well right at the moment, have we? I think, I think it's. I mean, there. I mean, you know, QPR away, obviously, unbelievably. That that was as good a championship performance as I've ever seen from any team. Um, yeah. That really was. Um, but. But you know that yeah that was a one-off really. They haven't hit that kind of standard in any other game. Um, but what they have done is what you need to do in the championship, which is be well organised, be resolute, and don't give much away at the back. Now, you know the, the championship sides who set up like that generally make themselves hard to beat, but don't necessarily have an awful lot at the other end. What sets this Newcastle side at the moment apart is that they're able to do that. But then at the other end, they've got in Dwight Gale, Richie, um, Shelby, Perez, Mitrovic, you know, genuinely Premier League class goal scorer options. So as long as they can keep things fairly tight at the other end, you know, the classic cliche, they're always liable to nick something at the other. And that's why for me, personally, mm-hmm. the, the Bristol City game that I referred to, mm-hmm. um, the Barnsley game, um, Derby, you know, games like that are in their own way as impressive, really, because that that was the question mark you had about Newcastle this mm-hmm. season. It wasn't necessarily, you know, you always knew that this Newcastle side would turn it on every now and then and, and blow some sides in this league away. What you didn't necessarily know was that they'd have the character to go to Bristol City and dig in and get a 1 0 win. Um, and, 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 and it's the games like that that I think, you know, that's what gets teams promoted out the, pre- out the championship. What do you think, Lee? I think uh, a lot of people mentioned that they wanted to see, obviously I'll talk to Scott in a second about it, but they were looking at uh, Pear and Gale with Mitrovic. Um, a lot of people asking for it. I think people expect the weekend, but it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? But do you think uh, like Rafa is thinking along them lines? He seems to like playing with a number 10. Um, yeah. He's done it all season. It's been successful at the end of the day with top of the league. We've got a cushion towards third place, so Will he change something that he's, you know, that's tried and tested at this particular moment in time? Yeah, I mean, he did. The only maybe at the moment, at this particular moment in time, you're only going to see a Gail and Mitrovic partnership if Newcastle are maybe chasing the game. Whether he's going to start it that way, I really don't know because, like I said, it's tried and tested at this moment in time. We are where we are because the way we've played. He does seem to like to play with a number ten, although. Mm-hmm. The people who've played in the number 10 position, I would say, haven't necessarily been always impressive this this, this season, Diarmi and Perez. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be somebody or something he looks at come January. He might actually look for a player maybe to slot in there because I think we, we can get really... We should be getting more out of Perez and Diarmi, but mm-hmm. I think he, he might pair them, but, you know, I don't think there's any kind of urgency to do so. Like I said, it's working. We're winning football matches, so why change it? Yeah, what do you think, Scott? Because when it comes to Diarmi, especially, he seems to blow hot and cold, doesn't he? He's yeah, I mean, I think I think that um, I think that uh, you know a, a top class number ten would probably be at the top of the list for what would you want if you were promoted. Yeah. Um, I think that would be at the absolute top. The way that Rafa Benitez likes to play, um, I think that would be at the top of his list for the summer. Um, what he has at the minute is doing the job, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I, you know, I don't think either Diarmi or Perez, when he's played that role, have, be, have have come close to setting the world alight. But they've done the job that Rafa Benitez has needed them to do. And and 
um, for as long as that remains the case, I, I, I don't see him switching to play the two up top. I think, I think where that might change is I think it's an, an option in home games if the opposition's putting just a host of men behind the ball and it was to get to an hour and Newcastle would nil-nil and, and were really struggling to, to, to get, get somewhere, then I could see that, that you would see the two of them together potentially. But I'd be very surprised if it happened from the start and I'd be very surprised if it happened away from home unless Newcastle were really chasing the game. Do you think he needs to put uh, Shelby, because Shelby's really the only player in midfield that... You know, can get seems to get Newcastle ticking along. Do you think he needs to bring some? Could it be in the? Could it be in the in the window that he would look to bring somebody in, to similar to Shelby, but obviously with a bit with a bit more of an engine, just just to put him under pressure because he seems um, to because he could get injured, couldn't he as well? Yeah, I mean. I think I think the issue with that kind of role is that, like I said, I, I think that that will be at the top of his wish list for um, for the summer. And I think the problem would be that the, the calibre of player that I think he would want or like to bring in if Newcastle would be promoted wouldn't come in January to play in the championship. So rather than... Take, you know, take up a squad place with, a, with with someone of a lesser standard. I think he would wait on that because I, you know, I think that will be a, a real kind of red ring round it for the summer to say I, I want someone to come in and do that. Is anybody you think if he does decide to do it, anybody you haven't you you've you've heard of that he could if he does if he I don't obviously I don't we don't think he will but is any one player that you you think could um, either work with. Work with uh, Shelby or uh, um, replace Shelby? But not, I mean, not not really for the simple <laughs> yeah, right. for the simple fact that um, you know you would you would normally start to hear whispers of things like that mm. when when the agents are getting contacted or or, or you know a move's kind of almost being lined up and I, and and I think to be fair to Newcastle at the minute that they, they, they will have players who they're watching and they're interested in. We know you know some of those names are known, some aren't, kind of thing, but. Um, I, I think I think you've got to be a bit nearer, a bit nearer to kind of um, to knowing exactly where you're going to be in January in terms of promotion to to, to kind of move those on a bit. So, um, you know, I, I I think they'll have very good ideas of where they want to go in the summer. But even just kind of starting to make initial moves with them, I think you've got to wait until mm. until you're pretty much over the line, don't you? Yeah. What do you think, Lee? Who impressed you on on Saturday? And um, do, do you think um, uh, you know, especially with the with Neil Warnock's team, do, 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 it just seemed to be a bit of um, you know, throw everything at Newcastle, see if they can wind them up and, and get the result. But who who impressed you when we're under the cosh on on Saturday? We started. We we actually started quite bright on Saturday. We got the early goal. We could actually put them to bed quite quickly, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we got the goal on half time. We came out. We had a few. We had a few chances after half time again. Didn't get the goal. They made it scrappy. A lot of long throws into the box. Um, a lot of corners. A lot of free kicks, which we give away. But we stood up to be counted again. I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought Dummett had a really solid game. I know people don't like giving Dummett praise, but I, I'm seemingly the, a one-man band for this lad because I think he's solid question. defensively. Yeah. No, not. I think he's solid defensively. He had another good game on Saturday as he did down at Preston the week before. Um, 
And, you know, if teams are coming to bombard our box and throw long throw-ins in like Rotherham did and things like that, we're standing up to it, Lascelles and um, Hugh and Clark in particular. So we didn't play particularly well, um, like we did in at Preston. But again, we got the job done. We got another three points on the board. And everyone below us must think, oh. And, and I would say probably Preston and Cardiff give us their best. And like I yeah. said, we're just we're not necessarily hitting what I would describe as fifth gear. I think we're efficient, we're effective, we're well organised. Teams are finding it difficult to break us down. And when we're getting the chance, because we have better quality of players up front, we're taking our chances. And that's the big problem for all the chasing pack behind us. We just, you know, like I said, squad-wise, what Scott's just like touched on there, I don't think Newcastle will do any business whatsoever unless it's a player that's going to be designed to come in thinking ahead the next season. I don't want to try and, I don't want to, you know, you don't want to predict the future saying Newcastle mm. are going to get promoted this season, but as far as that one's concerned, given that eight-point gap, the third place already, technically lined um, with the goal difference, it's going to take a monumental collapse of mm. epic proportions mm. for this team and this squad with this manager to go throughout the season and not get promoted. I really think I'm that strongly looking at it now when I'm just watching those roll teams over. Waiting, Scott. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, 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 you know, that's kind of the point that I made before that you know, the 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 kind of the, the the pitfalls that you would normally say, well, you know, a team at the top of the championship in October, November could suffer from, most of them wouldn't apply to Newcastle because, like, you know, I, I don't see an injury crisis derailing them. I don't see, um, you know, I. I don't see that they've got two or three key key players where if they had a loss of form, it's impossible to replace them and the whole team collapses. Um, you know, barring, <laughs> barring some mm. unforeseen... You know, is this Newcastle side going to go four, five, six games without winning? It, it, you know, it, it could... It, they're going to lose games, don't get me wrong. You know, mm. they're not going to win every game, but as are Brighton, as are Huddersfield, as are Norwich, as are whoever's going to get up to get them. So, you know, if you, if you say now Newcastle win two out of every three games between now and the end of the season, because of the cushion they've got and the fact that the other teams it will inevitably drop points, that's probably going to be good enough. Well, mm. I think you'd say this Newcastle team will probably do that, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I think the interesting thing at the start of the season has been like, <laughs> we've had lots of uh, views on Paul Dummett but he's playing every week, isn't he? And he, like, it's interesting that you got Kieran Clark, who's who's kept his. Who like, I think at the start we didn't quite know we we're going to get with Kieran Clark, but he is. And you've you've got Mbemba out as well. That you know that it's looking really good that defence as, as well because I don't think we could have dreamed of um, having two players and then another two or three players behind them to cover. Again, that you know, that was a movable feast at the start of the season, wasn't it? it yeah. Players came in, players came out, but for the last couple of months, it's been very settled. And mm. without being in any way, shape, or form disrespectful, um, mm. what you've got is a championship defence. You've got a very good championship defence, and mm. ultimately, sure. that's what you need in the championship. You know, Kieran Clark, mm. if they were get promoted. You know, would he be found out in the Premier League? I don't know. Maybe not, but he might be. But in terms of the Championship, he is absolutely what you want. Um, mm. You know, Jamal Lascelles is probably, to be fair, slightly different in that you know he he does look Premier League class. I don't think you'd have any problems about him stepping up. He's done very well. 
Paul Dummett, again, you know, in the Premier League, you might have question marks about him. He's a very good championship defender. Vernon and Anita, exactly the same. Yedlin, when he goes in, perfectly, perfectly fine for the champion. You know, um, it, it, it kind of, it, 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 it kind of sounds disrespectful, but then it shouldn't because at the end of the day, Newcastle are a championship team trying to win the championship, and what they've formed is a very, very, very good championship team. And plus, you've got Lazar, who's, who I think's been brought in to more or less take over uh, from Paul, and uh, he he hasn't. He hasn't really figured as much, really, which I think people are surprised at, that he hasn't been given more of a kick. Well, not I'm yet, not, anyway. I'm not surprised, Andrew, based on his debut. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, can I, but bear in mind, he hadn't had a, he hadn't had a, he hadn't had a, the kid hadn't had a full pre-season. Yeah. But uh, based on his debut, his debut in that cup tie at home, who was it? Not Preston, the one before Preston. I was there. Wolves. He was Wolves, terrible. Yeah. He was awful. He was awful defensively. Yeah. He was awful going forward. But bear in mind, the kid hadn't had a pre-season. So I, I don't think you, you might not say the best him and they'll kind of after the new year and things like that. But he yeah. really, really struggled that night defensively and offensively. And if that was Paul Dummett, Paul Dummett would have been struck off the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you feel sorry for Paul, don't you? A little bit, Scott, don't we? Because he, got, yeah, well, he gets hammered, doesn't he? You know, I am... Um, you know, yeah, I... Listen... If, you know, is, is Paul Dummett going to stand out in the Premier League? No, <laughs> you know, yeah. almost certainly not. Would, would you have reservations about him playing week in, week out in the Premier League? Possibly, you, you, you know, you, you, yeah. But in terms of what Newcastle need at the moment from a left back, he, he ticks every box for me. He's solid. You yeah. know, he's, he's reliable. He's, he's wholehearted. Yes, his distribution isn't always fantastic, but. Um, you know, you, you can probably say that about every other fullback in the championship because, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, that, that's the level they've ended up playing at. And, and you know, in, in terms of what you need to tick the box as a left-back in the championship, he, I, I think he, he's, you know, I, I don't think he's, 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 done, he's done very, very little wrong this season, hasn't he? I think the thing is like we had a <laughs> Susan who's normally on the show um, like her <laughs> it's interesting she, she when he, when he, Paul plays because he, as you said his distribution isn't the best um, he's the first one not just Susan but other fans seem to jump on or boo him but um, you know it's early doors isn't it we're, we're just that's into really, the start of the season that's not what he but that's ultimately that's not what he's there to do he's there to defend we've mm. seen defenders over the years well who, who couldn't defend but could play football I'll use Titus Bramble as a, yeah. an example for that and he was absolutely yep. like a car crash waiting to happen that's why Newcastle conceded a lot of goals when he was in the side Dummett obviously when Scott's touching on being in the Premier League you know towards the end of last season when we when we were six unbeaten and we kept a few clean sheets and Raffle was mm. pulling the back four together it was Anita Lascelles and Bemba mm-hmm. and Dummett with um, Darlow in behind and you know we, we played Tottenham Liverpool and Man City in them in, in three and three of those remaining six games and defensively we were actually quite solid you know Man City struggled against us a good Liverpool side struggled against us and Tottenham certainly struggled against us so defensively he set us up we were difficult to beat towards the end of last season you know we ran out of games I, I, I do believe we'll probably look to try. He'll try to bring in better calibre of footballers mm. in certain areas. But you know, he's very. Dummett's reliable. I still think he's actually a better centre half 
than he is yep. a full-back. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting that we, he still hasn't really had much of a chance there yeah. with Newcastle. No. And I mean, I agree. I've, you know, I've always thought that that was probably his, his better position. Um, um, and, you know, you're right. He, he's, never really, he's never really had a chance there. But I, you know, I, I think that potentially in a partnership with more of a kind of ball-playing centre-half, yeah, I think that potentially yeah. would be his, his kind of better position. Um, but, you, you know... Just because of the options that are there, I, I don't think you're going to see that this season, are you? No, you know, no not at all. Because, um, because you've got, you know, you've got Mbemba not in the side. I mean, you've got Hanley not really in the side. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, you're almost spoiled for choice there as well, aren't you? Okay, what's the thing with Mbemba? Because we've been discussing the last couple of weeks. He had a grass burn, and uh, he came. I think he came in. I think two weeks ago, did he? A week ago, I can't remember now. But it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he was the the player that. You know, was the mainstay of that team? Now we can't get a now we can't get a kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, a couple of slightly shaky performances right at the start of the season, and, th- and then you're right, he's he's never really been able to get back in since. Um, does where where does that leave him? Well, he's an interesting one because he, you know, like you say, he arrived with a pretty big reputation. Um, I think I think I don't think there's been any falling out. I don't think I don't think that Rafa Benitez has got real issues with him or anything. I think he probably just thinks that in a championship setting, as we've kind of alluded to, you know much more kind of solidly what you're going to get from Lascelles and Clark week in week out, and and I think that's why for as long as they now stay fit, they, they'll probably be. Be his num- you know his number one pairing because they've they've also now had the chance to kind of form a pairing together, haven't they? So they have that degree of understanding now. Mm. I think I think Scott. I think you also find one from my understanding is Mbemba has these moments where he gets the ball at his feet and he wants to carry the ball upfield and run upfield yeah. with it. And <laughs> Benitez, Benitez doesn't want his centre backs doing that. And if the lad's not listening and if the lad's not mm. paying attention and if he's going off plan. Sure as eggs as eggs, Benitez will have him off the pitch. Yes. So whether it's obviously not going in on the training field as well, and the guys thinking, do you know what? I can't risk this happening in the middle of the game. I think he just sees it as an unnecessary risk, doesn't he? I think you're right. You know, I think had he did he, you know, were he not to have those other options, then then yeah, and Bemba would be in and and he'd be working with it and 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 you know. We'd be seeing what what he was capable of, but but it's it's a risk that at the moment Benitez just doesn't need to take because because um, then, you know Clark and and Lascelles and to a to a slightly lesser degree Hanley when he's been in have, have shown that you know they can be relied upon. Well, that's what that's what Mbemba actually did against Wolves at home, and he actually hasn't been seen in the team again on the last yeah. two minutes home. Yeah, that's what he was doing in the first ten minutes. It kind of set the trend for the. It was the lackadaisical attitude of the whole side that day where Mbemba was bringing the ball out the back four. Like, it's quite a slow pace, like, thinking Wolves are going to be nothing that day, and he actually hasn't been back in the team really since then. No. It's, just, it's interesting, isn't it, though, Scott, that... Remember that uh, back flick that Mitrovic tried to do against Aston Villa? Oh, and he was immediately... Um, he didn't play him, did he? No. He took him out, so he's done exactly what... He's done yeah. exactly what he did to Mitrovic, what he's done to Mbemba. But Mbemba, obviously, you know, they, they've, like any player, they've just got to wait to get back in. Well, that's it now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I, th- I think the, the, his, his selection for the whole game will be interesting. I think yeah. that will be interesting because, mm. 
you know, he's made those changes for the Cup so far. They've worked fine. Um, and, you know, when, when we've spoke to him about about the kind of cup run and everything, he's always said, look, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long season. I'll make, I will be making changes. Um, it'll be a side that I think is capable of the, winning the game, but I'm prepared to change it. But whenever we've kind of raised, you know, is this a competition you think you can win? And he says, well, look, we're only in the second round. We're only in the third round. When you get towards the back end of the competition, then, yeah, you do start to take it differently because... All of a sudden, you're only two games away. Now, One you know, it'll, I think it'll be interesting to see whether he, he, he still makes those changes and brings in your Mbembers and your Lazars and potentially your Murphys if he's fit and, and people like that, or whether, because it's a quarter-final and because with the greatest will in the world, Hull away is by no means the worst draw that you could have got, he'll, he'll look at it and think, you know what, mm, let's have a slight change of tack here. Before before the, the end of the show, Lee, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it, ever. Right, we'll ca- we'll catch you well week, two weeks from now. But thanks so much, Lee, for coming on. Thanks, thanks, Lee. Take care. I've got uh, bef- one question before we. Uh, I've got to bring my last caller, but Scott. But um, yeah. give me a, what do you th- the the Scotland game? That's going to get you excited. And a lot of us excited, isn't it? Yes, yes, I'm going down to do that. We're going down. Um, it's been a while since I've done an England game at Wembley where you've actually thought, you know what, this is going to be really good. This is going to be a, you know, a real good night. I think, I think it will be like that. Um, hey, England should win, shouldn't they? Let's be brutally honest. You know, for all for all the feelings, for all the concerns, whatever, home to Scotland, they should be winning. Um, I actually, I actually think England are, are, are better in these games than often. Um, than, you know, against the side who are going to come at them. England's players know exactly what they're going to get from Scotland. They know how they'll play. They know the style they're going to be up against. There'll be no surprises. They'll know from the word go that they're going to have to match them for intensity. Um, I, I <laughs> famous last words, I, I, I don't see England slipping up. I really don't. I think England will win. It, it, it'll, be, it'll probably be fairly tight. It, it'll probably be a... You know, a pretty scrap. I, I doubt there'll be a lot of real great free-flow football, but 2-0 England? Yeah, I was, I, this, that's the problem, isn't it, with England? We just want to see performance, don't we, to get us excited because what we're watching right now is dire. And I mean, every yeah. single game, it's awful to watch. And if they can't get up for that game, they need to be shot. But, well, that's um, it. You know, I mean, there should there should be kind of no grey areas there. And, and, um, and you know... The top and bottom is that, that that Scotland shouldn't shouldn't have the players now. That hasn't that hasn't stopped England from making a mess of it in the past. Don't get me wrong, but I am um, I'd be surprised if England didn't didn't uh, win on Friday night. Yeah, it should be a good one. Well, I, I have to tell you, we had Barry Venison on the show last week, and if you want his information, let me know because the guy has not changed a lick. Yeah, I can imagine that. If you if you I, if you I, listen I, to the I, show, I oh my God. Um, and I haven't spoken since then, but he's a, he's a good bloke, isn't he? Oh, if you, if you, well, I'll send on his information because he's a top. I was going to talk to him about Sunderland, Newcastle, Liverpool, in essence. We 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 covered so much. He's a, it's the longest person we've ever had in the show, Scott. Oh, he was on the show two hours. Brilliant. It was the radio gold. It was. Yeah. It was brilliant. So I'll send you the information on to him if you want to talk to him far away. Yeah, brilliant guy. Good. He'll cover. I tell you one thing. He'll he'll be, when you interview him, you'll need a week of you'll need a week of articles. <laughs> He's that good. Yeah, I can imagine that to be fair. <laughs> I'll send. I don't worry. I'll send it on to you. But thanks yeah, so much for coming on, Scott. It's been a no, pleasure no, to have you. Yeah, 
no Brilliant. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Bye Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. Cheers. What a great... Sorry, we haven't had Scott on for, for a while, and he's... Oh, my God, I could go on forever and have a fa- fantastic meal, no, wouldn't we, he? We, we didn't even touch on Borough. Yeah, I was going to bring up. Yeah, I was going to bring him up or as well. But or his love of his love of the horses, or a number of other things. He's going to talk to him as well. So yeah. Uh, well, for another time, we'll get him on get again. Him on, get, get him on for a two-hour stint. Yeah, definitely fantastic. <laughs> I didn't expect to be on that long. I thought half an hour because I know it's his day off today. You see, so but we'll bring in uh, we'll bring in John, Newcastle United fan. Good evening, John. Evening, lads. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm fine, just a bit cold, but um, yeah, it's a bit thing. It's lovely. I mean, not bad here, but sort of thing. And um, yeah, things going great. And um, and we're top of the league, eh? <laughs> Can't beat that, eh? <laughs> a bit of a scrappy game on the weekend, but we got there in the end. And I, I think everybody was a bit. I think the problem is now we've had we were playing okay, but we still expect to blow away teams when you know. When you've got a team of players who are re- re- re-energised by Warnick, Neil Warnick, you know, I think uh, 2-1, they they had us a bit jittery, but it was a, a win's a win, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, three points, double the league, and um, good, great performance first half. And um, like you said, the self-setting half was a little bit jittery sort of thing. We just um, took our gun foot of the gas at the moment in time. time and um, if... Um, I mean, if actually we'd scored for a goal, then it would have been so much easier. But 2-0, it's like a dangerous score. And another thing of us, we know how to out results. I mean, under McLaren would have hired you if it were two goals up. Then I think we would have um, probably um, fall apart, really. But on the Rafa, he instills to the players that, um, you know, that um, fighting spirit. And that's what we need. We have not had that in Newcastle for a long, long time. And... No, may I continue? Because we're doing okay. Yeah. Neil, you got a question? You, you were going to say something? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, the thing is, uh, with, with Newcastle now, I think it's how many games on the spin we won? Five or six? Eight. Eight, eight wow. So you get, that's the thing is, without really hitting the highs, and we've got, obviously, the, we've got Leeds up next, which should be a humdinger. Uh, are, you going to that, are you going to that game? Or you, obviously, I know you're in Bristol, but... I haven't got a ticket. I mean, if um, anyone's got a spare ticket, sort of thing, and um, it's and not easy to get a ticket, is it? I've heard the, I've heard what you have to do to get a ticket for I a way. It's not easy. It's not I easy. Know. I mean, no. I mean, what can you do? I mean, they, so I thought he was going to get the largest um, tickets. Um, um, you know, for a way game, they was going to get something like five thousand tickets because you normally get five thousand down the leads. And um, the thing is, these clubs now, I mean, especially in the championship. They just want to give us a minimum number of tickets in these clubs now because they want to maximise the way support or maximise home support, sorry. But at the end of the day, they, these clubs now, they just don't want um, many away support, I sort of thing now. And I just don't know why. I really don't. It's like at home, away, in the cup, they're going to give us a minimum number of tickets. It's going to mm. be empty seats now because um, they should give us as much tickets as possible because these clubs now need the money. It's mm. as simple as that. I think um, that's a, that's a, that's always going to be the issue with Newcastle uh, having such great support. Um, I, but it, the, the, sometimes even when we take well eight to ten thousand, we never away from home. We still never see probably the the QPR game is the only game you know we've completely took them apart. 
Um, I think even if Newcastle took 15,000 away from home, you're never going to get the performance that you get, you know, you expect at home. So, but yeah, you're right, I think. But you can't allow that many fans from the other team in, irrespective of the money, because it does come, it, it can become a bit uncomfortable, um, you know, if you're a home fan, because it could lead to trouble as well, because a lot of fans, that's probably the one thing that I think Neil said <laughs> earlier, when you with Leeds coming up, you know fine well there's going to be Newcastle fans all the way around it, and that's going to it's yeah. going to lead in the in the Premiership. You probably wouldn't get it, but because ah, there's there's going to be the, it's probably there like Neil said, it's probably going to be their only game of the season where it's going to be fully um, the, the game's going to be a sellout. That and Sheffield Wednesday possibly. Yeah, and, yeah. And it, you know it it really is. Um, I, I know I've had a couple of Leeds lads over here. Chatting to us and they're saying it's the first time we've sold out in such a long time yeah. and everybody's up for it and everybody's in it. And I have that degree of old school edge. Um, I think you'll find that uh, some clubs are quite happy to give lots of support because they know they can't sell out their own. Um, and while, while, for example, let's go back to Preston telling them that, you know, we've, we've bought the league and yet they've played with. If, if more of those, they had a sellout against us. Now, if those fans turned up every week, Preston would have more money to play with. Mm-hmm. And Preston would have more backing. And then more mm-hmm. of a chance in that league. It's all very <laughs> well and good turning up when we roll into town. This is what we said back at the start of the season. We're somebody's cup final every mm-hmm. week. And that includes now, it would seem, bigger clubs in the championship like Leeds. Which is, it, it's a sad indictment of where Leeds have fallen to, if you ask me. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they, they've, they've had more blows than you care to think of with, with certain financial impropriety um, but and, and again the fans were turned to time and again to turn that around there they are they're on a run well who's their first sellout against well it's the cup final in two weeks isn't it yeah yeah I think um, it's I think it's nice for Newcastle fans isn't it John that we it's because there's going to be at least we're going to get one game um, not that's as close to Sunderland or Middlesbrough as you can get uh, for a derby because that one even oh. I'm looking forward. You got you obviously got the Scotland England game, but whew, that the, the Leeds one, I think mm. it's on. It should be on TV. If it's not, it's a, I think it is actually. So it should be an absolute humdinger. Well, I'll tell you something. I mean, I really, really am looking forward to this game because um, it's going to be blood thunder, mm. and it's just going. To, I think it also is going to be exciting as well. I think the, the players going to be up for it. I think mm-hmm. the Leeds players could be up for it, the fans just could be up for it as well, like, and, um, you know, and, you know what, I can't wait um, for that match to go on. It's going to be tough, it's going to be really, really tough, it's not going to be easy that a lot of these going to make out with me, because Leeds are playing really, really well under Gary Bonk, and they do score goals, and he is absolutely putting it together with the team he's got. I mean, they have got big players, I mean, I don't mean big players and big names like Height and that as well, they've got mm-hmm. mid couple of six footers in that team which is going to make it really make it easier hard for us but I mean it's not going to be easy and I think the atmosphere is going to be electric you know what I would love to be there myself I really would be, be fantastic no, but, well it's been a great show um, thanks for coming on John I appreciate it as ever and uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks after the international break but thanks for coming on okay thank you very much indeed cheers Neil yes, and, uh, cheers John okay Cheers, mate. Cheers, Thanks, John. Yeah. Cheers, now. Cheers, now. Well, it's been a great show uh, with all my guests on. So special, special thanks to Scott 
uh, who came on from the, from the from Northern Echo. Um, really, really good night. I I think I was I actually thought it was <laughs> I thought I was going to struggle every show, but then all of a sudden, boom, we we have um, one one of the one of my best guests of the evening on. So uh, really, Scott Wilson from Northern Echo. So thanks so much as usual with um, with um, Neil the, Neil Mitchell, Jordy Dentist um, on the show. Obviously, the show will be. You'll be able to listen back to the show immediately afterwards. Give me like half an hour and I'll post it straight after the show. But thanks so much, Neil. It's been a pleasure as ever. And I'll talk to you in a second. But thanks so much, everybody. And it's been a great night of Toon Talk. Thanks very much.